Hey, what's going on, everyone? Uh, this is Information Creep, issue number five, and we finally get to look at the uh, meat and potatoes. Unfortunately, we're not joined by Greg, uh, but we do wish him well. And But tonight, we do have uh, myself, I'm Dakota, and Spiros, and Walter. If you guys want to shout anything hey. out, by all means. Hey. hey. What's up? I'm out here in a nice place out here in Illinois, Winona, Illinois. Where I'm chilling with a friend of mine, Gerald Prophet, and his wife. Help me got away. So it's a getaway for me. Winona, Illinois. That's right. Sounds That's like there's sounds like there's nothing but pastures and uh fields. Yep. And blue you skies, probably. That's right. <laughs> you yeah. called it. You called it. It just has that it just has that like old timey feel to the name. Uh, but anyways, we're going to be taking a look at the events that happened after the death of Optimus Prime on the More Than Meets the Eye side. I'm kind of like loathing doing the R.I.D. side of things, to tell you guys the truth. Um, but we'll be looking at More Than Meets the Eye. We'll be kind of taking a glance at issues number 1 through 22 tonight. That's right before the uh, Dark Cybertron event. So should be a lot of fun. And the way it starts out, I think it's I think it's hilarious because in my mind... Like, we talked about this last week, me and Walter did. Like, I like to imagine sounds kind of in the whole, like, background uh, of everything that I'm reading. You know what I mean? I like to paint this elaborate picture when I'm reading comics. Um, but I imagine, you know, it's, it's Hot Rod there. He's, like, on Erotimus there. He's on a stage uh, giving this big speech, and I can just imagine, like, the most 80s butt rock playing behind him uh, about, you know, how... On this very spot, you know, this many millions of years ago, you know, this guy did this and this guy did that. And then Optimus Prime said no to Megatron. And then, you know, we're going to launch from here and go find the Knights of Cybertron because no one wants us on the planet anymore. Uh, I don't know. That's that's just something I wanted to kind of point out there. Uh, Bumblebee's still kind of coming to terms with it uh, because Ratchet decided he wanted to, to leave with them. And he didn't like that. Uh, Prowl wasn't happy uh, because Chrome Dome decided to to leave, and who knew they were so close uh, before reading this, right? Right. Well let's, well, let's be honest. Prowl's head was getting screwed up after what happened there to him. And um, what can I say about Bumblebee? He's, he was just learning how to become a leader. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I still think he was kind of struck because he, he did have – some like leadership stuff going on during the chaos event, but yeah, you're right. Like he was never, yeah. The, it, Prime kind of threw him, you know, just full force out there to the wolves. But uh, but yeah. So, um, and just speaking, you know, solely on issue number one, uh, I liked whenever, you know, everyone was uh, like getting on the ship, uh, which Prowl was telling telling Wheeljack, I think. That you know, he compiled a list of those who would stay and those who would go. And tomorrow, you know, the the big day was going to be one big non-event. Um, and then it turned out to be quite the event uh, because, like, they had red alert on the door because he was the like chief security guard or whatever. And you know, you've got uh, Brainstorm walking up with his uh, infamous briefcase that we see forever, and. <laughs> He's just like, uh, you know, he's like, okay, you know, let me search the briefcase. You're kind of the most infamous weapons engineer in the galaxy. And Brainstorm was like, well, uh, 
no, you can't because I'm I'm exempt. And Red Alert was like, Jesus, man. Like, why is everyone exempt? Uh, but then you had Swerve, who you didn't know it was Swerve, but, you know, asked for a name, and you know, he said, uh, you can call me, De- or Megatron, or you can call me Death or something like that. And then he started going on about the quest. I thought that was, uh, that was pretty funny. But, um, and then I'm trying to trying to remember what all happened in detail. Like, a lot of this is just kind of minor, and I do want to get on to the, to the rest, but... Uh, Cyclonus and Whirl, they get into a little tussle, and it comes... It, it drags its way uh, towards uh, the boarding party of the Lost Light, and in which case, Rung gets his arm taken off, which was all well and good fun. Uh, then they finally... Do they? I can't remember. Do they crash land, and then you see Tailgate sitting in a cave six million years ago, like slowly making his way to his Energon rations to blow up, and he ends up blowing them up. I think that's what happens, and then he passes out. I don't know. The point point is Tailgate's super old, and then uh, Rewind and Chrome Dome uh, kind of stumble upon him. Who else was walking with them? Do you guys remember? Um, well, uh, was it Whirl and Cyclonus, um, land and Ratchet is trying to talk Whirl down, and then Tailgate Tailgate blows his Energon rations, and, uh, the explosion subsequently takes off the front of Whirl's chest, and I don't know if it's, like, part of his head. But uh, that's how they actually discover Tailgate. And uh, I think, I want to say it was Rewind, Chrome Dome, and Ratchet. Because that's how Ratchet ended up being there. Yeah, I think Ratchet was the third. And that's that's also how Cyclonus lost his horn, I believe. Because uh, he had he had yeah. both horns at the beginning of that. So, And that's something I wasn't yep. like. I, I'd always thought Cyclonus lost it during the Chaos event until I, like, I was rereading it. Not too long ago, and I was like, "Oh, I'll be damned!" He had both horns. So, uh, kind of, kind of funny how that was, you know, like Tailgate's fault at first. You know that he, that he mm-hmm. lost the horn uh, because later on Tailgate ends up replacing it, which you know, not it whether or not that's relevant right now probably doesn't doesn't matter. But uh, so yeah, they they end up they all board they all board the Lost Light. You know, they got World there, and Ultra Magnus is uh, talking to Rodimus about. You know, man, I don't know why you didn't put me on the door. Uh, and Rodimus is like, well, you probably would have turned everyone away. He was like, well, <laughs> for good reason. And <laughs> Magnus just starts, like, going through all these, like, I don't like him. You know, he's highly volatile. He's super dangerous. This guy owes me money. You know, like, all this other <laughs> stuff. And uh, Rodimus is like, you know, man, you really need to relax. Like, you get uptight whenever someone's got their badge on at an angle. And he goes into, like, Autobot code about, you know, the badge has to be perfectly squared and all that. Um, so, anyways, they, they board everyone up. They get everyone on the loss. Like, Tailgated talks something about, did I miss the launch? Did I miss the launch? Before he passed mm-hmm. out. And so, they just assumed that he was, you know, wanting to be part of the Lost Light. So, you know, that's that's why they took him and... Um, I think, anyway, Rodimus was ready to take off. When whatever Rodimus wants to do something, he does it. So, mm-hmm. 
they take off and you see Prowl and Bumblebee kind of talking and Bumblebee was like, you know, Prowl, I thought you had a plan. And as the ship's taken off, you see a big kaboom. And so now everyone on Cybertron thinks everyone on the Lost Light is dead. So who are you for that? Uh, but we find out they're not dead, that instead they had jumped uh, halfway across the galaxy and um, their quantum engines had exploded because uh, or was it shock or was it or I think they even kind of uh, made mention of or I think it was or is the one or is the one who gets trapped in the engines because he was standing too close to them. Right. Which, uh, you know, quick uh, quantum travel lesson for you guys. That's not what you want to do whenever you're. Uh, you're about to quantum jump, since everyone's doing that now. Well, it was also a tie-in to some of the uh, generation figure books that came on out, like Hoist, or uh, uh, what was it called? The Spotlights. Like, Hoist was one of them. Hoist, Trailbreaker. Sure. Yep. I think, weren't Hoist and Trailbreaker the only Spotlight issues that no. dealt with all that? I think yeah, there was... They were the only ones that tied into more than meets the eye, I believe. Yeah. Um, wasn't there? Wasn't there? A, was there a skid story or a crosscut story? I can't remember. Yeah, skid, skids, crosscut. Yeah. Well, they all all the Dark Cybertron covers with them were uh, they were just tie-ins. They were they were just Dark Cybertron, with the exception of skids. That was more than meets the eye twenty two, which we'll discuss later. Yeah. Uh, but one uh, one thing from issue one before we get too far away from that, and I forget. Uh, I love when Ultra Magnus is talking to Drift and Rodimus, and you see the way he views the world, <laughs> oh, yeah. and uh, it has it has the rundown on like Rodimus's personality, and then it has risk of future criminal activity, and Rodimus is variable, and then he's looking at Drift, who's an ex Decepticon, and risk of future activity off the scale off the scale. that was hilarious and you see that like a couple of more time uh we, we see it more like in annual which we'll cover you know here here shortly um, yeah but yeah I, I i love i love how how they made magnus like he he keeps his kind of serious bravado but they really made him like a laughable character like not laughable but a, a funny character i think like every time they I made magnus him into they made him into a half cartoon and half comic because Magnus was serious. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, he's, he's still serious, but yeah. I, I like how they make him the straight man in the comedic situations. <laughs> yeah. You're so, uh, bravado, bro. Yeah. So after the jump, uh, we get the, uh, the mysterious message in Prowl's quarters. Yeah, man, isn't that, uh, which is super, like, overshadowing. Like, I don't think we know really the origin of that message until, like, what, the, the mid-30 issues? Yeah, it's it's not until, quote-unquote, season two of More Than Meets the Eye after Dark Cybertron yeah, that we learn the origin. Tell you what, if you'll give me, like, just a minute, I'll actually, uh, I got the book right here. I'll look it up, talk amongst yourselves. Unless you know it. Uh, yeah, I actually got it in front of me. And also, uh, issue one is the first uh, depiction of Prowl flipping a table 
in the oh. IDW universe. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, he was he was trying to talk Chrome Dome into staying, and as he and Rewind leave, uh, Prowl just flips the table and then radios a mysterious figure to uh, load some cargo onto the Lost Light. Oh, yeah, uh, which is very important as well. So let's see. Uh, okay, the message. Uh, it's broken up, so I'm not going to read the breaking up. I'll just read the uh, message as it is. Uh, hello, can anybody hear me? It's the Lost Light. Uh, this is a, this message is an experiment, a failed experiment, I think, because if it worked, I wouldn't have had to send it in the first place. I'm calling from the future, and... Wait a second, and I have a message for Rodimus. Abort the mission. Do not leave Cybertron. There are terrible things out here we are, we're not prepared for. Um, but if I've miscalculated and we've already left, please find a way to get this message to him now. It's a list of do's and don'ts. Actually, it's just a list of don'ts. Don't open the coffin. Don't let them take skids. Don't go to Delphi. And do not, I repeat... Repeat, do not look in the basement. And for the sake of the Cybertronian race itself, please don't. And then the message cuts off. So very ominous foreshadowing for the series from that uh, short message that we got. This was, yeah, that was definitely a very ominous kind of, uh, like, that's the long game, dude. You know, because... Like I said, like, you know, that was well into the uh, the future issues of, or like the kind of middle to ending point of season two of More Than Meets the Eye. Um, yep. Like really right before the finale, I believe. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, well, no, it was, it was, I'd say it's about the midpoint of season two because there was still a lot of stuff that happened after that, uh, that message, that message's source was revealed. Yeah. But. Um, something else while we're while we're kind of on that that last page, uh, whenever uh, Rodimus and Magnus, you know, because we find out like the the ship didn't blow up, like the the hole was breached and they uh, landed on a mysterious planet. It was sabotage. Uh, well, they're standing outside, and uh, <laughs> Rodimus is like, uh, "Look at the meteor shower," or basically, and um, Magnus is like, "That's not a meteor shower. Those are our friends." burning up in the atmosphere. And you see, like, small riding, and Rodimus is, like, rubbing the bridge of his nose. He's like, not a good start. And Magnus was like, sorry, what was that? And he was like, I said, not a good start. So you could tell he was very frustrated by that whole ordeal, which, uh, again, I thought was uh, I thought was humorous. So there's that. But uh, on this, on that mystical planet, they... You know, they're rounding up all their friends, and then they find Skids, who doesn't have any memory of who he is or, you know, what he's just done. No, like, recent memory. What did he think his name was again? It was something like, uh... Slime. Slime. Or Scum. Or scum. Scum. Yeah, Scum. Sorry, uh, I, was, I, was channeling, I was channeling Mickey from uh, Toy Detox when I said Slime. Because <laughs> uh, he, always, he always says that. He's like, I'm Slime, dude. I'm Slime. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he, he's, he thinks his name is Scum, and, mm. uh, he's got a message scribbled on the wall, or, I guess, carved on the wall behind him, 
uh, when we first see him that says you haven't escaped, they're all around you. So And he completely misses it and he's like, What's this mode lock for? Like, you know, he's he's flying in this ship and you know, the ship is actually one of the things that he's running from and which which we will be able to get into later on as well, which is uh, all all fun. But he ends up disengaging the mode lock and I think he sets it for a crash course and by the time it transformed you know it had already crashed and exploded and then he finds out there's more of them chasing after him and then chrome dome uh he runs into chrome dome and they they start to talk and chrome it's skids isn't it and he's just like inhibitor claw and then chrome dome like says something else he's like inhibitor claw and so <laughs> chrome dome pulls it off and then skid all these weapons come out of skids which uh, a far cry from his uh, his G1 toy, uh, honestly. Like, Skids, they made Skids look cool as shit, to tell you the truth. They made him into a... Huh, they made him into a badass character, you know. For once he was just the dreamer, he's no longer the dreamer. He tweets his character there some. Yeah. Uh, yeah, before, before, uh, before Skids... Um, Ran into Chrome Dome, though. He's trying to get away from the big yellow robots. And uh, he comes upon the corpse of uh, Polaris. And I, I love that without any regard for the uh, <laughs> the well-being. I mean, Granny's dead, but without any regard for the well-being, he throws Polaris at the yellow bot and then shoots, the, shoots him, hoping to explode, uh, hoping to destroy the yellow bot, which... Uh, they keep repeating 1984, which uh, we don't know what it means at the present time, but we all thought it was just some tongue-in-cheek reference to the first year that Transformers showed up. To be fair, I think I think it was totally both, but uh, but yeah, it's funny how they how they work that in. But yeah, he just uh, he just blows up some dead body to kill another guy. Yeah, but he was—he was. I mean, Skids was all about uh, adhering to uh, the situation. You know what I mean? So, but they all end up making their way back to the Lost Light, and everyone except for I think there were only two that died uh, between Orr and Polaris. Yeah, I think that, or there, there had to be more because I think there's a. Um... I think there's the panel where Skids finds Polaris's alt mode. That you see another uh, another one too. Or you know, I let's see. Yeah, because it looks like there's a couple, or at least one more body. But um, one thing, one thing to note in issue two is that they lay the groundwork for a lot of the next story arcs uh, because Rung is talking to Ratchet you know getting his arm fixed and uh, Ratchet the the, the beginning the beginning of the running joke that nobody can remember Rung's name uh, where Ratchet calls him Ring and uh, Rung's talking about how uh, how how Ratchet's uh or Rung's talking about how Ratchet's uh bedside manner and his his finesse with working with his hands 
And then Ratchet just reaches over and grabs a hammer and slams it into the palm of his hand. Because uh, his hands are seizing up because he's so old. Let's see, he's like, well, I must say how nice it is for someone to excuse me for a moment. And then, yeah. Yeah, just slam. And then also uh, the little rivalry between Drift and Ratchet. Where oh, Drift man. is... Uh, Drift, Drift says he wants the meta bay brimming with positive energy. <laughs> and uh, Or buzzing with positive energy, and Ratchet's like, idiot. Drift yeah. is one of those characters where he sounds like he gets high or something, you know? Drift is very yeah, a very spiritually aware character after all of this... Uh, after all the dark Cybertron stuff and, and or, all of that other uh, stuff. The chaos stuff, you mean? Yeah, my bad, the chaos stuff. Um, so, like, you know, he's, like, going through all this all this other stuff. Like, I think, you know, they, they, they say, like, um, you know, Drift is the one that writes all of Rodimus' speeches and, you know, got him mm-hmm. on the whole Knights of Cybertron hype and all that. So... <laughs> it's like Drift. he's a ghost rider for Rodimus. He's a ghost He's yeah. so he's he's Rodimus's Pat Lee, um, or Rodimus is his Pat Lee. I don't know. Um, damn, if only Greg was here. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and Ratchet Ratchet's the complete obvious. He's you know he's your uh, well we're born and sometimes we die, sometimes we don't. But if we die, that's it. Kind of a kind of guy. So it's it's funny seeing them clash like that. But Ratchet tells it like it is. That's the one thing. Oh, yeah, he'll he's, a, he's a realist. I mean, if it's one thing, he'll tell it like it is, you know. Something I, I want to point out, though, real quick, is uh, the artwork for most of the characters in More Than Meets the Eye, because this is where we see, like, a big artist kind of overhaul. Um but, like, almost everyone has a face on their chest. Like, Rodimus has Iron Man on his chest. Oh. Iron Man helmet. And here's the funny cool. part. Here, here's the weird part. They made him small. When he's supposed to be... Oh. What size? So I'm trying to figure out when did they start making Rodimus small. Well, it's not so much that Rodimus is small. It's that... Like, Ultra Magnus is a very large character in the More Than Meets the Eye. Well, in uh, the IDW-verse itself. In the, ID- uh, in the IDW-verse, yes. But, you know, even from... not trying to drill off course, but even from the cartoon, it's like, wait a minute, something's not right. But with Ultra Magnus, it's, it's got, he's bulky. Got that strength, power, you know, and weapons, so... Yeah, but it's oh, when you when you say small Walter, do you mean like thin leaf kind of? Yeah, because you know, okay, I just kept more 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 like a more like a sprinter's build than like you know right. a quarterback build. Okay, right, because I kept thinking to myself to the cartoon like Rodimus and uh, Ultra Magnus were like the same. I'm reading the comic; they got Rodimus small as hell, not like that. But you get me what I'm saying. Yeah, no, like I mean, looking looking at the page from issue one where they're uh, they're on the planet, uh, Rodimus comes up to Ultra Mag- like the bottom of Ultra Magnus's shoulder pad. So I mean, he's he's not he's not a short bot 
by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, I definitely see what you're talking about, where he they they thinned him out. Um, you know, like I said, it, and it's funny, and I'm gonna go off on a tangent just because uh, you know what the hell? Why not? Let's pad out some time. Um, but a, a lot of people, a lot of people, uh, in regards to Springer's appearance uh, with his Generations toy, they're yeah. like, "Oh, it, it, it's perfect. It's spot on for IDW." And I, I've tried to explain it to people that like I feel that his Generations toy, like, you know, and I, I've, I, I trigger everybody with the way I speak because I speak in extremes and analogies. But I'm like, you know, Springer looks a little anorexic compared to what I imagine him to be. Like, going off of the 1986 movie where he showed up, you know, he was a he was a beefy dude in the 86 movie. And the way I explain it is, you know, he's, he's like, he's not a linebacker, but he's like a quarterback. You know, he's like a solid, you know, stacked dude, but he's not overbearingly huge whereas the generations toy is you know a sprinter like you know a wide receiver Mm -hmm. to put in to put in like sports terminology um you know hopefully we got hopefully we have some fans who are uh, sports fans as well so i'm not losing them um but so like people are like oh the generations toy is perfect i'm like no it's it's not springer like springer should be a bulky dude um so like, and it was that's, on that that's, day that my friendship ended with Spiros. No, I'm kidding. Oh, if our friendship <laughs> hasn't ended, the amount of stuff that I've said online, I don't know. Uh... Actually, you know who Springer is? <laughs> this is going to sound, Springer reminds me of, this is going to sound crazy, but. St. Patrick's crazy. <laughs> he reminds me of Batman. He, of, he uh, athletic. Intelligent. Okay. I'm just saying, man, that Generation Springer toy is perfect. That's the best Springer that will ever come out. Uh-oh. I just, I, I love it. I just wish it <laughs> gear. Yeah, man, I, and, and I agree with you. It's, you know, I'm one of those ones that says it's perfect because I, I know that there's no way Hasbro would or could or, well, I mean, they could, but I know there's no way they, they would have given us something, you know, perfect, perfect to... Right. That that Nick Roche design, but man, it was it was so close, and it, it was close enough for me. That man, I, I love it. If 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 a if a certain third party uh, company that rhymes with uh, Mastermind Relations <laughs> uh, were to make one, I would man, I'd be on board absolutely. We'd you need toys, give one. Yeah, but that was G one style. Yeah, like, I, yeah, the code is more for the IDW look. Uh, but honestly, like the fans project defender, and I, we're, we might as well just call ourselves third party creep right now. Um, yeah, really. But uh, the fans project defender, like if it wasn't horribly handicapped by the amount of diecast in it, uh, like it's 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 kind of like what I imagine Springer to be. Like it's it's thicker. You know, kind of more imposing body image. Um, like, I think if Fans Project were still around, but pe- you know, a lot of people say they are. But uh, you know, we haven't Let's seen. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, but like, if they were just re-released Defender with the knowledge that they've gained over the past how many every year since it's been released, like almost ten years now. 
Um, no, it hasn't been 10 years, has it? No, I don't know. Has it, or, I don't it's know, like, like six. six. Yeah, I think it's only yeah, like six. Let's conservatively estimate it at six. You know, if they could, like, work that engineering in, ditch the die cast, like, and just kind of keep that, del- like, large deluxe size to where he's just maybe a head shorter than MMC Spartan, then that would be, like, ideal for any uh, generation's collection of records in my mind because like that's another issue i have with uh springers i the generation springer is i think he's just like a bit on the tall side for what i want my springer to be yeah I but mean, you know that's, you know yeah I'm, to a degree you're you're yeah opinions are like assholes everybody's gone <laughs> oh my goodness well wow no i mean the thing with springer is he reminds me of uh, another character Reminds me of Batman. Athletic, strong, intelligent, weapons at his disposal. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, you could take him himself out of a situation. Oh, except Springer's totally okay with killing. He's leader of the records, <laughs> after all. Yeah, yeah. But Springer's that big, bulky guy. <laughs> yeah. But, but, yeah, but like I was saying, like, I look up there around him, it's like... I hell would y'all make him small? And you know damn well he's supposed to be, you know? I don't know, man. I, I actually, I'm, I'm on the other end of that. I like uh, that Rodimus is uh, kind of on that that smaller end. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just, uh, that's just, that's just like my preference. Uh, you know, he's he's still taller. He still has some kind of a... You know, larger size and bravado over the the rest of those guys. So it's it's fine. It's not too terribly bad. But uh, I I don't know. I don't think he should be like as as large. You know, proportionately as as Magnus. You know, he's still kind I of mean, that young way, hothead. That's the you way know. how they did Magnus. They made him into a badass. It's like oh, he's the strongest one there is, and it's like okay and. Plus, what they did with Magnus was his attitude, which was straight by straight from the book. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he didn't take crap from nobody. I gotta find the figure. So, yeah. which which was solid, but uh, kind of leading us into uh, this this would be like issue number three, which is the last part of uh, the first story arc from More Than Meets the Eye. Uh, they, they're finally, they've got everyone back, they've patched everything up, or is still fused into the quantum engines, which, you know, I, I guess they were okay with taking off with, with him, uh, being a part of that, uh, but they find out, because, you know, it starts out with shock, uh, you know, kind of sitting there, you know, apologizing to him, you know, and all that, and, you know, like, man, I can't believe this happened, and kind of paying his final respects, uh, then he picks up his phone, and he deletes his last call, which is very, you know, something else is kind of overshadowing to uh, future events, but it also gives the reader a sense of, you know, okay, so he was the one that sabotaged the engines uh, because, you know, it was a phone call from Prowl, but that wasn't necessarily, like, wasn't necessarily what happened, but it really made you think, okay, or, you know, was intentionally trying to sabotage the engines on Prowl's orders, but we find out later that wasn't the case, but... You know, Shock was definitely uh, covering Orr's tracks, which we'll find out a little bit more 
uh, at the end of this the end of this particular uh, issue of information creep. But uh, shock is then uh, taken out by a mysterious uh, figure, which we later come to find out is a spark eater, and it was super brutal because you know he sees this hand, or you know we see a hand, and he's grabbing his throat, and then out of nowhere his spark just comes out of his throat, and spark is gone, as in yeah. gone, and then he blows up, basically, or he doesn't blow up. I think he like kind of explodes from the chest cavity or whatever, uh, and then that's whenever they're like, okay, you know, spark eater's on board. Um, Rodimus, this is where we find, like, everyone, like, how they all get their roommates and all that. And he's like, all right, you know, every one of you, two to a uh, habitation suite, you know, go in there, do this. So, Tailgate, at this point, is stuck in mid-transformation because Swerve is uh, <laughs> too curious for his own good. And they, they're they all making their way, like, I think uh, Swerve is, like, talking with Skids because he thought Skids was a total badass from the last issue. And so he's like, so, uh, Swerve and Skids, Skids and Swerves, why don't you be my roommate? And they find, like, I guess what looks like the biggest habitation suite on the ship, uh, and it come to find out it's a bar. So Swerve is freaking out, and he's like, I always wanted a bar. I was going to open a bar with Blair. That's what we were going to do, me and Blair are best friends. And <laughs> then Skids is, like, climbing through the, you know, he's, like, removing, like, roof panels, like, trying to climb through, like, the ventilation shaft and all that. Uh, he's like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, oh, man, I'm not just going to sit in here and wait for things to happen. Um, all the while, Whirl has uh, locked someone out of uh, the room that he was supposed to have with them, which, okay. you know, it's a very Whirl thing to do, I guess. And meanwhile, Cyclonus, and Tail- Cyclonus is carrying Tailgate, who's transformed from the waist down uh, to their room. And Tailgate's like, oh, this is great. Doesn't this look great, Cyclonus? Oh, you got a big window to stare out of and... <laughs> you know, I got a little workstation over here, and he just drops in. Want to know something? What's like, up? I'm, I'm going to say something right quick. You got to get IDW credit. Um, they touched upon characters and made them into breakout make made them into breakout stars. Oh like yeah, Whirl, Whirl, Swerve, and Tailgate, and even Cyclonus. Yeah, which to, to be fair, I've always thought Cyclonus, you know, had a had a bit of popularity to him, but. Like, characters like Tailgate and Swerve, you know, uh, even even to a degree, like, Trailbreaker and Hoist, honestly, like... They made they made Trailbreaker into an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. You gotta give it where credit's due. They made him into an alcoholic. They made Rewind and uh, Chrome Dome into lovers. Yeah. <laughs> they, they did something. So... It was all good. Yeah, and I mean, they they did. They made these these characters that you know otherwise didn't have a whole lot kind of going on for them character wise uh, into into fan favorites they, for sure. They turned these nobodies into something yeah. that was that wasn't really besides Cyclonus. Yeah, you know, and, and, so. and Rodimus and Magnus. I mean, they they had you know Roberts did have a couple of A listers, um, but. Not, 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 you know, not near as many as, say, uh, who was it, Barber that was writing R.I.D.? You know, he kind of had all the, you know, your old school favorites and stuff like that. I think what they were trying to do was try to go a different approach to where 
how many more people can we keep seeing the same character? We've seen it on TV. We've seen it in comics before. Let's give certain characters their breakout, their due. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Let's, let's give these characters that never made it or weren't hardly in the cartoon, weren't hardly there in the comic book or something. Let's let them shine. And boy, they did they ever. And they did a good job, especially with World, with his attitude. Yeah, making him crazy. Yeah, they I've always made kind it. of thought World was like a. I've always kind of imagined him as a Deadpool type. You know what I mean? He's he's kind of batshit insane, but he's also like really good at killing. You know, X Wrecker and all that. Which you know makes sense. But uh, anyways, uh, after after that whole debacle, like World hears the Spark Eater, you know, basically eating this other guy's spark. And then he kind of breaks out of the room in his helicopter mode, and he's about to, he's shooting rockets at it, and at which point Trailbreaker uses his uh, his shield to, to block it. He's like, man, you know, if you do that, you're going to blow up half the ship. And World's, like, only response to it was, which half? Like, you know, like, that's all that, <laughs> that's all that mattered to him. Um, and then uh, they were wondering, like, where he went, and they're like, well, he found the brightest spark on board. Uh, so he's heading down to, you know, whatever room, which happened to be Rung's uh, room slash office, uh, which he ends up breaking the door down, and World's or not World, Rung is freaking out, and that's whenever we see Skids pop back up. He's like, "Hey, eyebrows up here," uh, which was uh, that's that's another joke kind of going on with was Rung with his eyebrows, uh, but eventually they escape. Rodimus devises a master plan. Uh, to use Rung as bait, and he baits the Spark Eater to uh, come for him, and they were going to fire up the Quantum Engines while Rodimus was tussling with them, and they ended up succeeding, uh, and Rodimus lost his arms, but he got uh, he got new arms built, which we see like the kind of exoskeletons of those arms, or the endoskeletons of those arms. At the end, and he's all like happy because he's got new arms, which I thought was funny. Um, and that's that concludes kind of the first the first little story arc. The next one is uh, the whole Firebase Del- Delphi thing, which oh, really, really quick. Um, one thing to note: Animus, the robot, the Autobot that the Spark Eater uh, ate in front of Whirl, uh, has a green spark. Oh, and, it's a uh, center. Yeah. It's always Which is, interesting. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, inter- it's interesting those little things that we see early on that get explained in later story arcs. Yeah, that's right, because I don't think they had ever talked about point one percenters at that point, did they? No, we don't, we don't get that until, uh, I think, issue... 14 or 15? Yeah. You guys got me so. thinking. I, 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 I got to go back here and read this again. Holy shit. Are you hungry? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, I, I, I got I to gotta start going back here reading because I was, I was uh, in the storage there today. And I was just pulling out books. I'm like, and I, I had some of the books. Here. And therefore, and, and, and therefore, uh, 
Man, as soon as you guys said that, I'm like, screw this. I, I, I got to get these books again. Oh, shit. And I missed that part, what you said about the spark eater. Dude, yeah, all of all of More Than Meets the Eye is, uh, is just really, really solid reading. Uh, it is. It's a sleeper book. You know what? And I said this there before, and I'll say it again. I'm just shocked that it's not in Wiz- or Wizards, excuse me, sorry, Diamond's Top 100. Because that book, that book is very hard to come by. I thought it. I thought it did. I thought it did get pretty, pretty high. I, I know it won some kind of something. I mean, I don't really keep up with top 100s or anything like that. But I thought it was a, a pretty, pretty popular thing, given what it was. You know, not not your average like big time Marvel title or anything like that. But, no, I mean, a book like that should be in the top 100 as in sales, as in uh, units per month, because how well it's doing. And if I can't find those issues, then there's a real problem. Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, they're also like five years old at this point, too. Yeah. So. I mean, you, you talk about storytelling. Yeah, man, and, I agree. <laughs> Hey, uh, also of note, uh, because I was muted and uh, away from my phone when you guys were talking about the Spark Eater issue, uh, in the uh, little, like, flashback page where Cyclonus is talking to Tailgate, uh, that is our first look at Voss uh, from the DJG. Oh, shit. Being held by Megatron. Yeah, because was it he... Sorry, I'm and I'm kind of taking this off track. Yeah, because it says that Megatron assassinated somebody um, with a sniper rifle, and we come to find out later on that the uh, the sniper rifle pictured is actually Voss from the DJD. Which I believe at that time Voss was not in the DJD, and he, he wasn't called Voss. He was called by his, his real name. Which we'll find yeah, out which, much later on. Which but. we'll find out much later on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, that's our uh, that's a, that's another like first in the uh, more than meets the eye. That probably lore, explains so why that particular Voss ended up becoming part of the DJD. You know, right. you'd have to think Megatron had to work with each of those guys pretty closely before he was like, "Hey, I want you on my Justice Division." You know. Right. Which, uh, that, t- that ties into, uh, the issue that we're getting into now with Delphi. Yeah, so, uh, they, they kind of make a landing because, uh, I believe Ratchet said that, you know, his, his good buddy Pharma, close friends, uh, and again, just a swell guy. I want you all to know that Pharma's a great guy. Uh, just, you want to crack, crack open a cold one with him. You know what I mean? So, he was, he was going there, I think, to, to kind of, like, make him basically chief medical officer. Uh, they get there and there's a big X on the door, which was the universal sign for, uh, what? stay the hell away. Yes. Yeah, stay the hell away. I was like, don't, <laughs> don't come in, run away something. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, drift and pipes are with them and they're like, well, Hey, let's go on in. And like, this is, I think like where we start to see like pipes really just gets the shit end of the stick. Like he, you know, pipes has the worst luck. <laughs> Um, right, which was which was a running joke all of season one. Yeah, or well, that, at least the first half of season one. Not to not to spoil anything. 
Yeah, and for, and for, for a little bit, right? Do what? Do what? Pipes was in it for a little bit, right? And, and therefore, he got killed. Well, yeah. No, I remember correctly. Not to jump too far Spoiler. ahead. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, for, for any listeners who are confused with the terminology that we're using, like season one, season two, um, James Roberts officially designated that the More Than Meets the Eye 1 through 22 uh, leading up to Dark Cybertron was to be considered, like, season one if More Than Meets the Eye were a cartoon. Oh, which it should be. That's 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 a topic for another day, for sure. Yeah. But, uh... So, uh, Pipes, uh, brashly busts through the door with a giant red axe. And, uh, they find a morgue full of corpses that are leaking, uh, rusty fluid. So, basically, the, uh... God, what was that? What was that virus from uh, 2014, 2015? The um, the one that everyone was freaking out over that only like two people caught. Oh, the oh, Ebola. Yeah, yeah so the it's, Ebola. Yeah, it's, it's basically Ebola. It's basically Robo Ebola. Yeah. Foreshadowing for real life events, huh? <laughs> but James, James Roberts, Illuminati member. <laughs> But uh, yeah. Then then like didn't wasn't one of them like kind of awake and he was like walking towards them, and yeah, that's, that's whatever. Drift. Go go ahead. Drift just drift just springs into action and decapitates him and stabs him, like in <laughs> like his in his, in his in his super ninja samurai mode, like yeah, and then which. Uh, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and then, like, they all get kind of covered in uh, this robo-Ebola fluid yep. that was leaking out of this guy. Like, like that, you know, like, that was the, the total smart thing to do. And I think Ratchet was even like, hey, don't get any of that shit on you. Like, I think, mm-hmm. you know, I think he was, like, trying to be kind of forewarning about it. But, um, but this is where we also kind of run into first aid. And, you know, if we'd kind of, spe- you know, while we're kind of on this... There were some seeds kind of planted in the hardcover uh, volume of Last Stand of the Wreckers. Um, yep, the bullet story. Yeah, the bullet story where you know where this this place in particular was was mentioned, which I thought was was really was really cool. And First Aid was even uh, a subscriber to um, Physitron's uh, Wreckers Declassified. Uh, stuff which was which was pretty cool it was pretty cool they they kind of brought all of this full circle as well but um just, just a nice little bit he was also recruited by springer to uh look for messages that were uh implanted in the right eye of an autobot sigil uh by the mole and the gjd yeah which will also kind of play uh into much, much later on. Uh, oh, I, th- I think that's another season two uh, story as well, isn't it? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's it's good stuff, man. But uh, long story short, uh, this uh, this particular planet was uh, kind of DJ- in a DJD controlled territory in space, which 
like I think may drift a little uneasy, even though he didn't show it. Um, or at least it, it totally made pipes uneasy. And Ratchet was like, "You want to see uneasy? Let drift see your uh, your spark uh, your spark casing." Talking about how mm-hmm. uh, that's that's what the Decepticon sigils were made from. Which is uh, yeah, like they took they took part of your spark casing to make your Decepticon badge. Yeah, that's some pretty brutal shit, man. Like, you know, the Decepticons were already brutal, but that was that was definitely overcooking it. Um, yeah, and I mean, like the whole the whole scenes with uh, Ultra Magnus, Tailgate, and Rodimus. Like, there's so much world building there where they talk about the Conclave and Megatron and the spark casing and the sigil. Um, and then, you know, and there's also a funny, um, there's a funny scene with Rodimus and Ultra Magnus where Ultra Magnus is trying to tell Rodimus that Tailgate wants to be a Decepticon. And Rodimus is like, which one's Tailgate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then it's, and then uh, I love this where uh, Rodimus is saying how they all want to find the Knights of Cybertron, and Ultra Magnus is like, this guy's only here because he lost a bet. World's here by accident, and Skids is, nobody knows what's going on with Skids. <laughs> it, it, it adds into that whole ragtag deal. Like, it, it really, right. I mean, it really is, like, more than meets the eye was just, it, it was gold straight from the start. Um, I, yeah. I, I still think even, even through to Lost Light, I still think Lost Light's gold too. But, uh, I know a lot of people don't share that particular sentiment, but you know, we'll get to it when we get to it. Um, right. but anyways, just to just basically, uh, summarize, uh, the whole Delphi thing. We, we also run into a character named Ambulon who doesn't transform, uh, for, for reasons. And we kind of find out that this virus is, uh, triggered through transformation uh like that's 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 how it starts to show the effects because uh, at some at one point both uh, drift and pipes had to transform and you know they both started showing the side effects uh pharma was the one that that uh constructed it after trying to play the victim uh in the meantime first aid jump starts fortress maximus because this is where he got sent to be repaired after the uh, the Battle of Garrus Nine. Yeah, where he was made he was made to be just a uh, he was fucking a torso, <laughs> a, yeah, a torso, a torso, and you know a lockpick. Yeah, and uh, we also um, we also got a little bit of world building here with uh, the Triple M, the militant monoform movement. movement. Yeah, which which. Uh, is it, it plays into a certain Action Master's appearance later on in the series. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that now that you mention it. But, um, but yeah, so Ratchet, Ratchet kind of finds out, and, like, he chases after Pharma because, you know, Pharma obviously has the cure. Um, at which point they're, like, on the very top of the base, and I think Ratchet has... Uh, has Pharma cornered? Um, or no, no, no. Ratchet, Ratchet had been infected too. Uh, yeah, and he's he's just he's just bleeding everywhere out of his eyes. You know everything. Yeah, but he's using his hollow matter avatar. Uh, yep. 
to kind of like trick pharma and i think he had also he had le- he had basically talked to pharma long enough to where his leaking had also infected pharma and then that's whenever they got to uh the top of the facility and they were you know they were kind of ha- having harsh words and eventually was it drift that came because uh, pharma was like hanging off the edge and ratchet was like well you either help or you fall or you transform and then you die a horrible painful death and yeah well well what happened is ratchet knocked pharma off balance and the uh antidote or the vaccine for the um for the sickness the rust sickness went toppling off the side of the building and uh ratchet like pharma dove for it and ratchet got him into a position where he was hanging off the edge and uh Basically, it was the choice of either fall and transform and then get the uh, the sickness or uh, trigger the sickness or uh, fall to your death because you don't want the sickness to get you. Yeah. And and then and then drift, uh, you know, slicey slicey comes and cuts <laughs> cuts Pharma's hands off and leaves the hands there and Pharma falls. And he's like, Ratchet, I found you new hands. <laughs> yeah, which because, like that then, was that was the whole thing, you know. Ratchet totally needed some new hands, right? And then more world building where we get the difference between forged and constructed cold, where uh, the forged spots are uh, rarer and older because they were they're basically built around a spark that was uh, you know that appeared on Cybertron. And the constructed cold were basically bodies that they implanted sparks in. So, oh yeah, that's right. And that's 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 why Ratchet couldn't just replace his hands because he was forged. And uh, that's the importance of Pharma's hands. Is Pharma was also forged. Pharma was also a psychopath. Oh yeah, very oh, psycho, yeah. very very funny. I thought he was funny. The thing is, like, I think, I think, you know, because we we find out also uh, in that story arc that the leader of the DJD has an addiction to uh, changing, changing modes, or was it changing his alt mode? Well, it was um, he he had an addiction to transformation cogs because he burned through his alt mode or his transformation cogs because he transformed so much. Yeah. Uh, and then. Was it? Oh, um, also, Red Alert uh, is concerned about something he hears in the basement of the Lost Light, and uh, he's talking to Rung about it, and uh, he plays a audio recording that he captured, and it's just the words "kill me, kill me, kill me" um, over and over. So there's 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 something in the basement of the Lost Light, and Red Alert is uh, concerned about it. Which which will will play into I think the story arc or two story arcs or is it the story arc after the next one? Um, I think. it's about there. But um, really quick before we move on from this issue, I love the opening pages with Fort Max uh, taking out Sonic and Boom, where uh, oh, it's man. it's it's very so reminiscent. It's very reminiscent of Overlord tearing Guzzle in half. Yeah. Uh, Fort Max. Fort Max is the same thing to one of those guys. And then the other one's making a run for it. 
and Fort Max sticks his head in the compartment in his chest and decapitates him by closing the door on his head. And, and it's like, um, I, I don't think the time on Garrus 9 affected Fort Max at all. He no, seems like man. a perfect. He seems like a perfectly well balanced individual. Oh yeah, which I think that's actually a good segue into the next story arc, uh, which is you know they they obviously they they brought Fort Max back with them to the Lost Light uh, under you know the the stipulation that he talked to Rung, you know he he definitely needed a psychiatrist after because uh, that that was the first time that he woke up after the yep. whole after Garrison Garrison. thing, so. You know, the, you know, basically to to kind of burn through that story because we are we are about an hour in. Uh, he loses his shit and starts you know having visions again, and he's literally like going throughout the the lost light, um, and damn near killing bots that are uh, blue and like kind of purple and white, basically overlord colors. Yeah. Uh, are are the the bots that he's targeting, um, and then he then he locks himself into Rung's office, and you know he's kind of got uh, Rung cornered, and he's like, "All right, doc, you know, time to talk." Basically, uh, or he was using Rung as a hostage. Right, because he wanted the Lost Light to go to Cybertron because he wanted Prowl to answer for oh, taking three. Yeah. He he wanted Prowl to answer for taking three years to get to Garrus Nine after the uh, I don't know what did they call call it the um, uh, I can't I can't even remember I don't have lost in the records in front of me um, basically the fall like when when all the Autobot outposts uh, fell I guess the surge maybe or yeah during all the, hell, the Megatron. All hell Megatron. That's when it all happened during all hell Megatron. Every outpost fe- all failed. Yeah. Right, but they they had a certain name for it. Um, so yeah. So, Whirl, Whirl, who is the last person who should be talking to uh, somebody who is uh, not mentally stable. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't he? Doesn't he tell him to kill himself? <laughs> like. If if I recall correctly, doesn't, aren't 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 those the exact words that come out of his mouth or his face? Because um, because Fort Max had beat the living shit out of World because World was in Rung's office, I think, talking to him. Um, yep. And oh my god, I, I'm gonna have to look this up now. Because I I remember it being uh, I remember World saying some like super just. I messed up stuff to Fort Max about the whole thing. Oh, was Fortress Maximus during that time period was messed up because of what at what Overlord did to him as well, so that screwed him up a bit. Yeah, he had uh, some severe PTSD. Yeah, big time. And therefore, it's kind of funny. Every little thing had to deal with Prowl, and it was like everybody else wanted to go after. It's like, man, Prowl, what did you do? Prowl knows what he did. He yeah. was a, a douchebag is what he did. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then we also learn um, why Whirl was kicked out of the Wreckers. Yeah, I see. I thought I can't remember if we learned that uh, in Phase 1 or if, or if this was whenever we, we found out about it. 
but um yeah he yeah he's like he he basically tried to euthanize Springer while he was in uh recovery wait wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute world was in the records yeah yeah, yeah world he was, world he was, oh go ahead world was one of the original uh wreckers in the UK right. run. Right, that I know about. Okay, that I know about. But was he in it in the IDW universe? Yes. Yeah, because he was, he was a record during Stormbringer. And I okay. thought, I thought about... he was also on Pova as well. Also, was he? Uh, yes, he was. He was. Because he was, he was still technically part of the unit in Last Stand of the Wreckers, but like Roadbuster, he, he wasn't there. He wasn't for that particular Garrus 9 mission. Yeah. Um, but we do find out that... Uh, World's trying to uh, basically give Springer uh, take him off of life support because you know he was brain dead and he was just like man just you know let him die so he put a spark eater on his chest um, or an energon harvester or whatever and uh, Roadbuster caught him and Roadbuster used the power of the veto uh, which we get a little bit of insight to that if you you know any record could kick out any other member. Uh, you know, and no questions would be asked just by power of the veto. So, like, they could, you know, they all could have done that, but, you know, they, it, it was a trust thing that they had, which I think was cool. I did get to the page, though, um, with Whirl kind of laying uh, impaled on the ground in, in Rung's office, and he says, Listen, Max, in the hope that this can still have a happy ending, and speaking as someone who appreciates the challenges of adjusting to post-war life, I just want to say that there's still time for you to do the decent thing and kill yourself. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Good dude. There's something wrong with that dude. Ah, man. I, well, dude, I love World. <laughs> like, he's my favorite. He just does not give a shit. There's something wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, World, World is definitely uh, a couple cards short of a full Energon deck. And this is, uh, and, and Rung's like, now, Whirl, that may not be the most helpful. And Whirl interrupts, and he's like, come on, blow yourself away. Let's see a spark spasm up close. Just, <laughs> dude. But he so, also know how to touch his uh, nerve there, too. Very good there with that. Oh, yeah, but see, Max, uh, Fort Max just, like, takes the, the end of his gun and just slams it into his face a couple of times. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, Fort Max is like, well, is there anything else? Because the third strike's going to break your brain in half. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, so so Fort Max is highly volatile in Rung's office. Rodimus orders, uh, because uh, they found out about Swerve's illegal bar. Uh, so Rodimus has Swerve on rivets duty on the outside of the ship. And the gun can be switched to a laser. And so he tells Swerve and Rewind to... You know, get to Rung's office and and you know do what they can to basically take out Fort Max. You know, shoot to kill, whatever. Uh, now this is where we get the learning uh, the running joke of Swerve and his bad aim. Yep. Uh, because Rewind uses some footage from the the Garrus Nine event to distract Fortress Maximus, and he projects it through the window of Rung's office, and so Fort Max is just kind of like. You know, he's he's put in a haze because, you know, he sees Overlord again. And, you know, that just that, that fear, that PTSD strikes him. And, you know, from there, uh, 
Swerve takes the shot, and he takes the the worst shot possible, and he blows uh, Rung's head off. Oh wow! So not uh, not really the best. And I think at that point, I can't remember uh, actually what happened after that. I think uh, uh, Whirl Whirl stabs uh, Fort Max through the chest to oh. uh, incapacitate him. And then um, that that event is over, and then we have uh, Rodimus talking to Drift about Red Red Alert being a liability, and uh, we get our first uh, first view of the person in the basement, which uh, you know, ironically, given Fort Max's uh, visions, we um, we see that Overlord is uh, chained up in the bottom of the Lost Light. Saying "kill me, kill me." Mm, wow! Yeah, that is so, super that, cliffhanger. That is messed up. That is that is messed up. Yeah, I mean, it was. It, I remember. I remember when I saw that page. I was like, "Holy fucking shit! What the hell's going on?" Um, yeah, because last time we saw Overlord, he was, uh, he was, well, like, he was, he was a flaming a skeleton. skeleton. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, next, uh, next issue, uh, we get to see the DJD in action. Um, and we see, uh, we see a little recap of Black Shadow's, uh, history with the Decepticons where he, took out uh, three Wreckers during their 11th iteration, um, takes out the uh, 113th Battalion, he fights 113th Battalion, which uh, seems to have uh, Pyro from Last Stand of the Wreckers, Cup, uh, Ultra Magnus, Orion Pax, and Nightbeat are the ones that I can pull out uh, from there. And uh, he had 3,003 kills. Uh, and then we also see him versus the population of uh, Rigel four, uh, yeah four, and uh, his kill count there is three billion. So uh, we're just seeing that, and that being is uh, duty as a phase sixer, which uh, phase sixers were charged with basically glassing a uh, planet to uh, make way for terraforming, and uh, we get our first look at Tarn. Uh, leader of the DJD, whose uh, identity was a mystery for all of season one and most of season two, and um, they're torturing Black Shadow, who has no legs, and he's in an electric chair, which turns out to be uh, DJD member Kaon, and uh, all the DJD members are named after cities. Uh, the first five cities that the Decepticons conquered in their uh, their rise to power. I have. And, he's a good <clears throat> I have Claritin and Zyrtec. So uh, <clears throat> Tarn uh, Tarn recites a little bit of uh, Megatron's Me- uh, Megatron's manifesto uh, towards peace uh, while he's talking to Black Shadow, and uh, we learn that Tarn has the ability of. Uh, weaponized speech where he can uh, whisper a spark to uh, death 
and uh, we see Black Shadow go boom. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, then we see the five DJD members uh, talking about the list, which, uh, being that their job is to hunt down anybody who has uh, gone against the Decepticon code or otherwise been a threat to Megatron's uh, Decepticon dream of conquest in the universe. Uh, they talk about the list and they found a new member or a new new entry in the list who's nearby. And um, next we see Rung on a med slab and Red Alert's talking to him. And uh, something that we didn't touch on earlier, but the meta bay on the Lost Light has. Uh, medical drones that look like the uh, drones that Beast Machine's Megatron had uh, when he was the leader of Cybertron. And uh, Red Alert mentions Overlord, and we see the blue eye on the medical drone turn to red, which uh, means that they're also spying for somebody who uh, we don't know. And... uh, Then we get our, uh, excuse me, then we get our uh, introduction to the fan-favorite group of miscreant Decepticons known as the, um, the scavengers, uh, who consist of spinster, crankcase, flywheels, croc, uh, misfire, and uh, they come upon a Decepticon who we learn is um, his name escapes me right now. So, uh, Fulcrum, and they're on a uh, a battlefield full of corpses on um. Anyways, apologize to the listeners. I'm uh, doing a bad job of recapping. Here, oh, but, I'm right uh, here. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. So, um, the scavenger is talking to Fulcrum. Uh, Misfire is, uh, you know, the snarky mouth of the scavengers. And uh, Spinster, we learn, is, uh, is a bit of a simpleton who uh, <laughs> is... <laughs> As uh, as Misfire says, if he seems distracted by his own fingers, it's because, and I present this as an empirical truth, he is truly the stupidest person in the entire universe. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, and then we have um, we have Flywheels, who is not a duocon, but he's a triple changer, and um, he suffers from. Uh, psychosomatic hyperflexia, which means he can't tell I without changing shape. Which wow. uh, he says that's not true. <laughs> that's not changes the shape. <laughs> it's not true, and he changes shape. And uh, here we have Croc, who uh, tying back to the Delphi arc, he is a member of the militant monoform movement. Uh, and Croc was also in Action Master back in was it eighty eight. 87? 88 or 89. No, 90. 90. Oh, wow. Okay, 88 or 90. 
Uh, so, nice callback to his G1 origins. And, um... Dakota, you want you want to take the reins here, or uh, for oh, I mean, it's, it's it's fine. Like I'm actually not 100 percent familiar with the story. I kind of like glazed through it. Um, have we already talked about Crankcase? Because he that one was my favorite. Uh, oh yeah, um, no, I, I, didn't, oh, okay. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't mention. Um, I didn't mention Crankcase, but uh, he's got yeah, head I, I, trauma, and if he smiles. Like he's always frowning because if he smiles, like his head's gonna cave in, or something, <laughs> something like that. I thought that shit was hilarious. Yeah, I love I I, I love the language that um, James Roberts uses in some instances because um, Misfire says the thing is, if he smiles, his precarious cranial architecture will collapse and he'll die. Wow. <laughs> He's he's the only Decepticon who can be killed by a single punchline. Wow. <laughs> Are you serious? He can be killed with a punchline. Yeah, wow. because if if he smiles, his head will just cave in on itself, apparently. Uh, oh, man. That's... So, uh, next scene, we are in uh, Brainstorm's labor- laboratory. Uh, because I've been told, uh, I think I read somewhere that Brainstorm actually, uh, James Roberts writes him with a British accent in mind. Oh, no. Uh, that makes no. sense. That makes so much sense. Oh, so so that's that's why I say laboratory. Um, and uh, we see a couple things in the, uh, in the background. We see some uh, strange insect-like creatures in uh, green jars. Uh, which we will call back to later on in the uh, the storyline, and um, <clears throat> there's uh, the briefcase, obviously the ever-present briefcase, and uh, Chrome Dome and Brainstorm are talking about Skid's Skid's gun, which uh, apparently Skid's doesn't realize he has a gun in his hand unless <laughs> someone puts it out to him. Uh, which is part of his ongoing amnesia, which we learn about the less the reason for that later on. Uh, so <clears throat> we also have mention of the institute, which uh, I think that's the first mention of the institute in the uh, IDW universe. Yeah, and we'll, we'll totally that's I believe that's the next story arc too, uh, because they, you know, that's it, all in the flashback stuff. I think I think that's that's whenever yeah, we see that the Shadow Play storyline, which is coming up next, um, deals largely with the Institute, and um, so back to the uh, back to the scavengers. They're talking about the war and Fulcrum's kind of being brought up to speed on the end of the war, and um, they're all huddled around a fire, which is actually made out of the carcass of a an Autobot. <laughs> who um who is uh he is apparently still alive and uh Croc uh unceremoniously executes him uh when he pipes up, you know, cuz he doesn't like being a fire for five Decepticons for six Decepticons. <laughs> and uh back to uh Rung, the uh, data slug that Red Alert slipped into his hand, uh, or his his thumb hole, 
which uh, he lost his thumb in the uh, experience of Fort Max. Uh, someone takes the data slug, and um, now we have one um, the Decepticon simple ship, uh, which that is a mystery that has yet to be um, fully revealed, right, Dakota? Uh, I think so. Like, I think they, they, they talked about, like, what kind of ship that it was because it would fly overhead, and so that way whenever, you know, people looked up, like, that's all that they would see, and I think that's what the K-Class uh, jumped out of. Yeah, it was, they called the symbol ship um, a D-Class World Sweeper. Yeah. Um, and they, it, it's a veritable house of horrors for the scavengers because they find a room with brain modules stuck to the ceiling. Uh, they find another room with uh, half-formed half, uh, half formed protoforms in tanks. And Croc, uh, Croc finds a robot made out of wood. So they're all and oh, and then uh, Fulcrum and Spinster find the room that is uh, like covered in flesh, like it's it's bleeding. Like they find a bleeding room, so it's very reminiscent of uh, like The Shining or something like that. So uh, while they're while they're pontificating on what all these uh, strange things in the symbol ship could mean. Uh, they get a message from the uh, DJD, and Tarn uh, informs them that one of them has uh, earned a spot on the list, and they uh, they want them to surrender, whoever it is. And giving giving them time, yeah, to where they won't all be guilty, basically. Right, he's given fifteen minutes to uh, you know figure out what they want to do if they want to give up the the. the list uh, inhabitant and he says that uh, the six of you will uh, watch him die and they're like um, there's six of us so how is six going to watch and uh, Croc makes the discovery of um, Grimlock in a stasis pod and um, that's the first time we've seen him since Garrus 9 actually we didn't see him in Garrus 9 but he was heard about him yeah at- he was locked up on Garrus Nine after Maximum Dinobots, which was uh, which was very interesting because I don't think I still I still don't think that they uh, have kind of told us how Grimlock got there either. Nope, that's um, and I mean that's uh, that's a storyline that is still ongoing in More Than Meets the Eye slash Lost Light, and uh, it's probably the one that interests me the most, just because of. Um, you know, to not not to not to get too far ahead, but um, there are mysterious figures associated with the world class, uh, or the the world sweepers, and um, we know very little about them. And uh, you know, James Roberts. Uh, hopefully, once he wraps up the uh, the current story arc in Lost Light, hopefully he goes back to that because I'd really like to see that resolved at some point soon. Um, but uh, next episode, 
or episode. Next, <laughs> it's basically the next episode. Let's be honest. Next issue, uh, we have we have a flashback of uh, Fulcrum in service, and uh, we learn he's he's talking to uh, a Decepticon named Torque, who, um, if you look very closely, um, he has the word Ultra written on his back. I think I think you're getting. I think you're getting a little too far ahead. No, 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 no. You can see. Oh, you're not. You can see. You can see Ultra written on his back, which uh, we'll we'll figure out where. That, oh, okay, okay. We'll figure out where oh, that comes okay. into play later on. Uh, but you know, being that I like to, uh, you know, point out point out things for the listeners in case they miss them, because uh, I know it's a, it's a lot to digest even when you're reading it one issue at a time. Uh, um. So the K-Class robots that Fulcrum was, uh, they're basically uh, bombs. So their their service to the Decepticon cause is to transform into a bomb and explode and die for the Decepticon cause. I think it's, and it's all because they ended up doing something that basically got them put on the list. And it was, you know, it was either, they they had the option, you know, uh, depending on what their crime was. You know, either the DJD could just execute them on the spot, or they could, you know, make up for it and make the ultimate sacrifice for the cause, basically. Um, if, right. If I'm remembering that right. Yeah, it's basically, yeah, they were refitted to into uh, K-Class bodies, and, um, yeah, they, they had the option of either dying horribly at the hands of the DJD or uh, becoming bombs and furthering the Decepticon agenda. Yeah, and man, like, seeing that, I know it's just the most ridiculous thing, um, but you know, since we're kind of talking about the Scavengers, like, that's something I would like to see uh, at, at, at a future point in, in 3D plastic form uh, are the Scavengers, and I, I would love for MMC to do that, just to kind of get off on a little toy tangent real quick. And, I, and I'd love to see Fulcrum, just a just a transformer that turns into a bomb. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, that, yeah. cool. That would be. You know what? Have any third party done that yet? Nope. Nope. Nobody's. Uh, nobody's touched the scavengers outside of. Uh, actually, Mech Ideas Piston. Um, kind predi- of. Pre- sort of he, yeah. he he predated the scavengers. So like. Which sucks, man. If if I would have if I would have known. I would have totally picked up Piston because I picked up Gauntlet and I love Gauntlet, but uh, I don't know. I can, yeah, you know, I really haven't even looked for uh, Piston to know how much he would. Yeah, call. he should be readily available because, like, like you, a lot of people went for uh, Gauntlet, which was the Mech Ideas Iron Fist. Um, so I'm sure if you search around at your, you know, preferred online retailer. Or at a convention, I'm sure you can find a uh, a crank case um, figure. Yeah. Figure. Okay, so um, so we got scavengers talking about what they should do because they're scared uh, out of their wits. DJD, and uh, they come to crank case uh, comes to the decision that they should fight because uh, the Decepticon badge is. Um, it's 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 he he basically makes a speech like it's our badge, not theirs, um, meaning like the GJD are 
uh, I guess what you could say they're they're kind of frowned upon by the Decepticon rank and file because they're mostly just sadists and uh, you know insane torturers. They take pleasure uh, in killing their own too. Right. So yeah. So it kind of gives you a, a view into like be, the Decepticon believing in the cause. Uh, you know, for the sake of the cause itself, not just because Megatron says so. Yeah. Um, and then, let's see, is this... So, uh, Chrome and Skids are talking in the oil refinery, the Lost Light, and, um, I believe this is the episode, or the episode, I keep saying that. Um, yeah, okay. So, this is the issue where uh, Chrome Dome uses a, his pneuma surgery uh, needles to look at Skid's memories, and uh, he's horrified by what he sees, and he refuses to tell Skid's what's going on in his memory banks. Uh, you know, basically telling him he's better off not knowing what he's forgotten, which is uh, another mystery seed sown. And, um, <clears throat> now, okay, going to point some things out here uh, that not a lot of people pay attention to. Uh, when we see the DJD land, uh, Kayon is holding Voss, and Tassaris and Helix are in the background. You see Tarn transform, uh, let's see, from tank to robot mode coming down the ramp. From robot to tank mode, driving away towards the scavengers, and then back from tank to robot mode when he comes upon Grimlock in the coffin or the stasis tube. So, like in one page, we see Tarn transform three times, which makes and, sense uh, given his addiction. Well, not, not you know, not a lot of people picked up on that because when uh, <laughs> when Coulter came out from MMC. A lot of people complain that his transformation was too simplistic. I'm like, well, it's got to be simplistic because he transforms so much. Yeah. And no, no, nobody got that. And I was like, okay, look at this page of More Than Meets the Eye. The guy transforms three times in three panels. And nobody, nobody in the comic does that that much. No. But, but it's, it's, it's nice. It was a nice little visual of... of his uh, his his little addiction there. Yeah, I didn't know that they had addictions. I didn't know that. didn't know that. That's the first time I'm hearing it. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it makes sense. Like that's that's another thing. Like that's why, I like, you know, these these newer these phase two books a lot more uh, than kind of the the original sort of run is. You know, we we see the more kind of human side of, of the Transformers, like, you know, they're they're kind of day-to-day stuff. Like, they're not all just, you know, they don't just pick up a gun and fight and then put it down and that's it. You know, they, they all want, you know, they all, you know, want, like, personal relationships and, you know, even romantic relationships, and they all, you know, struggle. Like, uh, Trailbreaker uh, has a thing. He's basically a drunk. And Tarn, you know, has his own addiction, and yeah. So I mean, it's it's you know, I, I like that they that they kind of incorporated just every little aspect of life into that, 
you know, it's not just uh, Optimus versus Megatron and the Autobots versus the Decepticons. It's more than that. But yeah, I mean, I like I like that James Roberts. You know, he had he had to he had to flesh out a book where there's no war. So you know, you have to kind of focus on the character nuances of each character. Um, so. Hmm. The scavengers spring their trap on the GJD. Grimlock uh, is jacked up on circuit speeders, which I guess would probably be like would that, uh, would that be like a cocaine. Yeah, I, yeah, we'll call we'll call it Robo cocaine. Uh, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you serious? I, I well, like they brought cocaine or well, no, no, I mean. We're, Dakota and I are just, you know, kind of using right. analogies. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, in Grimlock, oh, wow. No, I mean, circuit speeders, like, I'm thinking, yeah, that's totally, that's totally yeah, speed. Or, or like crank, speed. maybe. Or speed or something. Yeah, like, so, yeah, cause it, or crank, you know, like, but we're still kind of, <laughs> we're still just kind of <laughs> hover, hovering in the neighborhood of, you know, robo-drugs. Drugs are bad, but, okay? Don't, huh. don't do drugs. Um. I guess circuit speeders would be like a, an adrenaline boost. There, let's 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 make it more medical than uh, street drug. <laughs> so um, he's hopped up on adrenaline and he starts taking it to the DJD, and uh, they start fighting back. And uh, the scavengers are like, uh, "It looks like he's getting tired. We should probably split." And uh, um, then we see the DJD start torturing the uh, scavengers. Uh, unfortunately, Flywheels does not make oh, the uh, does not survive because uh, Tassaris, uh jams him into his uh, chest cavity, which is uh, basically a giant food processor for robots. What's funny? Uh, he was trying to you know he was trying to put him in feet first, but, but yeah, since he but, had such large feet, he had to turn him around. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, um, it's I guess it's probably a callback to uh, the flywheels toy being that like the bomb half was the tank and it was like the whole tank. Um, <laughs> so I don't know, I'd like to think so, but maybe I'm just uh, you know projecting. And then uh, we learned Voss has a uh, hidden feature on his face mask. Uh, it's filled with spikes and drills and. Um, he very creepily tells Croc to wear my face, um, <laughs> and uh, which we we find out that Voss, uh, which I, I don't know if you if you talked about this earlier when I was on, but he speaks mostly in old Cybertronian. No, I didn't. I didn't touch on that, and uh, that's a good point. Uh, Voss, is, I guess Cybertronian Basic or whatever they call their language, uh, is not his natural tongue. He speaks in old Cybertronian. So uh, you basically see uh, whenever Voss is talking and they don't translate it, it's uh, basically the symbols from the Michael Bay movies uh, <laughs> in bubble form. So, <laughs> uh, but like Tarn can understand him, which you know, which works. Yeah. So he he's our translator, and uh, Misfire proves that he's a terrible shot when he tries to shoot uh, Kaon and shoots. Uh, Croc right in the chest three times. <laughs> wow. And uh, we see the pet. 
the uh, the GJD pet who uh, is apparently a spark eater or as Kayon says a spark chewer. Which I thought I thought he was like a little turbo fox though. Yeah, like the, I, th- I thought his name was Spark Eater. Like I thought that's what they named him. No, they they he's just called the pet. Um, oh, okay. Anytime they refer to him, but he's he's some kind of rabid looking turbo fox. Uh, you know, or at least he appears that way. Overshadowing, <laughs> um, nice. Uh, so. Tarn, uh, Tarn whispers sweet nothings into Grimlock's ears, uh, and then Crankcase shows up with the uh, giant Decepticon uh, Mighty Mega Puncher, as he named the, uh, the exosuit, uh, which has Decepticon symbols on the knees and a Decepticon symbol on the chest, and its head is kind of a Decepticon symbol like um, Transformers Prime Soundwave. So um, somebody somebody was really really overzealous with their branding. Oh yeah, he yeah Megatron wanted that awareness everywhere. He's like Megatron was like, okay guys, guys, brand recognition. When we take over the universe, we want people to know who's in charge, and it's going to be the Decepticons. Yeah, that that was a. Uh, it really shows how vain Megatron really was. Like. Like and that we'll kind of see with with Rodimus later on, you know, with uh, the whole Rodimus Star thing. They had so much in common from the get go. So uh, Fulcrum makes a grand speech about what it means to be a Decepticon and how the DJD aren't Decepticons, and uh, he jumps, transforms into bomb mode, and he's a dead. So. <laughs> uh, and then Kaon uh, tells uh, that guy with the Decepticon base, Tarn. Uh, oh. <laughs> um, Coulter? Yeah, that guy. You know, that guy. Uh, he tells Tarn uh, um, that uh, they found Overlord, and uh, because he's the biggest fish on the list, uh, the GTP leave the... Um, God, I'm I'm a terrible narrator. I'm I'm gonna I'm never gonna host again. Um, you're doing uh, so, chapter, dude. You're doing a good job. You know, so, uh, I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to narrate. I'm just here to listen because I had the issues, and I'm just trying to think like, okay, this did happen. This did happen. I'm trying to remember myself. So it's been a while for me since I read it. So keep doing your thing. All right. Uh, thank thank you for the words of encouragement, Walter. I appreciate it. Um, so, because Overlord is the biggest fish on the list, the GJD depart to leave the scavengers, and uh, we have an epilogue where here uh, Dakota is where they explain how they become K class. Uh, uh, Fulcrum was convicted of cowardice, and uh, his. His sentence was to become a K-Class, and uh, here we see Torque's uh, alt mode of a bomb, and it definitely says Ultra Magnus on the front of his bomb. So uh, I don't know if that means if he's got a hard-on for Ultra Magnus, or you know if Ultra Magnus is there. I think, but, I think uh, we'll find out. We'll find out oh. soon enough. And uh, poor Grimlock, he's... Just a simpleton, and he's staring at his hand like Spinster was earlier in the episode. 
Oh, At wow. least I think, man, I don't know. And we'll, 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 we'll cover it later on uh, whenever we do talk about, you know, these the other, you know, issues revolving around the scavengers. But I think it's I think it's a ruse, you know. But it's really believable because, you know, he was subjected to some pretty terrible shit just between Shockwave and the whole Garrus 9 thing as well. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm really looking forward to that storyline being wrapped up at some point. Yeah. Uh, but uh, again, you know, a little more analysis than narration. Uh, I love when Spinster's explaining uh, that Grimlock is still alive. He says he started making little noises. First, it was frightening. Then it was funny. Then it was kind of sad. Now it's funny again. <laughs> I, uh, so uh <clears throat> i liked at the end you know oh. whenever, whenever tarn took off he was like you know i got a bigger fish to fry but consider all of you you know on the list you're on, on the, the list. list yeah oh we have uh we have the first appearance of the necrobot the mysterious necrobot who visits uh oh that's oh and i'm sorry and sorry to our listeners uh, the Necrobot was mentioned in the beginning of the uh, last issue because Misfire has an obsession with trying to find him uh, because <laughs> the Necrobot is considered a uh, like a battlefield myth in at this point, and we actually see him in person. And on his data pad, um, 18 months later, after the fight with the GTD, uh, we have a very peculiar list of deceased uh, being Hound, Chrome Dome, Dipstick, Drift, Ultra Magnus, and Flywheels. Yeah. So, at first, at I, first, I thought that was like the list that Kaon dropped. You know, the, the like whenever I read it the first time, I thought it was the DJD list just because I saw Flywheels on there. Um, right. And I saw Drift on there, and I was like, well, I know he's on the list. You know. But that is that is pretty interesting. That's, yeah, pretty, so, very that, that is a, that's another scene two overshadow thing. Yeah, that's a that's a foreshadow for uh, season two, um, which we will discuss on a future episode. Um, so, what are we at, Dakota? As far as uh, our running time right now, we're at uh, we're at an hour thirty six. Um, I think it'll be somewhat easy to sum up shadow play, honestly. Yeah. So. So. Um, okay. I'll I'll try my best to do it in uh, as little time as possible without glossing over everything. So I think I think we have uh, we have shadow play, and then we have the thing that comes after that, and then the annual. Dark Cybertron. And then the the stuff with Tyrus. So okay, we got we so, got four arcs. Shouldn't be shouldn't take too long. All right. So shadow play is set up as. Um, they want to uh, get Rung's memories back because apparently Rung somehow survived being shot through the head and his brain module is left intact, but he's in a comatose state. So uh, Rewind comes up with the idea that uh, if they tell stories to the uh, dormant Rung, they might trigger something in his brain module to uh, bring him out of his coma, so to speak. So 
everyone involved, which uh, I think the gathered parties are uh, Drift, Ratchet, Skids, um, Whirl, and Rewind in Chrome Dome. Uh, if I'm missing anybody, I'm sure our listeners can let us know in the comments. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, the the story largely revolves around Orion Pax, uh, Super Cop, and um, <laughs> his uh, his mysterious senator friend that we were introduced to in Shadow or uh, in Chaos Theory. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> basically. We uh, find out that Orion Pax is super cop. Prowl and Chrome Dome were partners in the Mecha Forensics uh, Department of the Cybertronian Police Force, and they're investigating a murder of a senator. We also and, d- isn't this where we find out Chrome Dome's real name too? Um, I believe so. Uh, so. Um, and I don't know how much of a meta joke it is because uh, his real name is Tumblr, and if you Wait, look at it's all, his name was Tumblr, right? Because because everyone everyone who worked at the institute got nicknames, uh, and like you have highbrow, and basically all the headmasters worked at the institute. So you have brainstorm, highbrow, Chrome Dome, and um, Hardhead wasn't there, but you know he's a headmaster nonetheless. So there, there goes a hole in my theory. Um, <laughs> so, um, so the institute was a place where shady goings on uh, happened under the uh, Autobot regimes, under Zeta and Sentinel, and um, hmm. so they uh, prowl. prowl Prowl traces the uh, the 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 corpse, uh, which is a, a senator named Momus, uh, with a giant Decepticon symbol painted on his back. Uh, <clears throat> Prowl uh, traces it to an apartment complex in uh, you know another part of uh, I guess Icon is where they're stationed. Like a and, very uh, upper class part too, I think, where like everyone was like yeah. alt mode exempt. <clears throat> right, yeah, because um, at this at this point in history, just to give a little world building to uh, the listeners, um, the Functionist Council was still very much in power, uh, and your 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 alt mode determined your status in society. So miners. You know, with their alt mode being drill tanks, you know, scavengers or whatever, uh, were like the lower rungs, and uh, flyers were, you know, obviously a rare breed, so they were uh, upper class, I guess. So we learn, uh, we learned a couple of things like body gloving, where people uh, would have their sparks transferred Sounds into. Sounds super sexy too, by the way. <laughs> um, people would have their sparks uh, transferred into other bodies, and we learned because uh, Chrome Dome chases a suspect who obviously doesn't know how to fly, and um, crashes into a giant billboard. Um, 
And I don't have, and I, I do apologize, I don't have the issues in front of me right now. Um, but I believe the billboard was super, uh, super ironic. Um, Dakota, I don't know if you have the it's, issues. Uh, in- it said, it said something like, uh, "Get a new body today." If you know, if if you're if you're tired of your your current body, if you wanted to uh, be a flyer or something like that, if you were a car and wanted to be a flyer, I can't really remember exactly either. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, you got you got the gist of it. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, very ironic, nonetheless. So, uh, and I do apologize, maybe I'm not the best to narrate this, but anyways, um, so, Orion Pax Pax is a super cop, oh, Tailgate's there, because Tailgate's listening because he wants to learn more about, you know, what's been happening in the past six million years, um, so, come to find out that there is a Decepticon, uh, like, registration act, basically, where... Uh, Nominus Prime said that if they gather um, a certain number of like Decepticon signatures, they'll uh, recognize them as a legit uh, political party. And uh, come to find out that uh, Nominus and Sentinel actually plan on uh, using a bomb... Who's the uh, who's the prime that is dead? Uh, Zeta, Zeta Prime. No, I don't think it was Zeta. And, um, hold on, I can actually. I want to say I want to say this was it was Nominus's funeral. Oh, okay. it was it was Zeta, or it was Sentinel. Or Sentinel, that's right. It was Sentinel that I think was in control. Of, yeah, Sentinel was in control because I think it, this was Nominus. Nominus had died. Uh, but it was Sentinel and the and the Council. I think we're trying to kind of nip that in the. Or was it Zeta? It, uh, man, fuck it. It doesn't matter. It was Zeta. Zeta Prime died. It was all. Yeah, Megatron. but I thought Sentinel came before Zeta because Zeta. Yeah, was... Zeta, Zeta was in the uh, and he was like basically the last Prime before Optimus. Um, and so, well, I mean, and... Megatron and Megatron had killed Sentinel. Uh, and all hail Megatron, and that's whenever Zeta took control, and Zeta was the oh, and prime. And Megatron was, yeah, yeah, my bad. So it had mm-hmm. to have been, it had to have been Nominus. It had to have been Nominus's funeral, because I think it was Sentinel that was. Uh... Okay, because um, Proteus. Okay, Proteus is promise. I'm sorry. Okay, it's all come back to me now. Uh, yeah. Proteus was a senator. Creep. It's, in the, it's in the title. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, Proteus was a senator who he made a promise if they gathered enough Decepticon uh, signatures, he would recognize them as a legitimate uh, political party. But what they um, what they uh, what they actually planned to do was uh, there was a bomb in a replica matrix in Nominus's chest that they were going to detonate. Uh, Basically, to create a terrorist attack to pl- blame on the Decepticons, and the list was actually going to be used to round them up. Um, so, Optimus Prime and his senator friend, who uh, his he runs the Geoxys School for like gifted individuals. Basically, it's like Geoxys's, <laughs> yeah, Geoxys's uh, Xavier Mansion. And uh, we learn we learn about outliers in this uh, the storyline, um, being that 
it, an outlier is a, a robot who has an ability that is not related to his alt mode. Um, examples being uh, Trailbreaker's Force Field, um, Glitch. Uh, there's there's a name to remember. Um, glitch in his ability. <laughs> glitch in his ability to disrupt electrical devices. Um, Skid's super learning ability and uh, wind charger's uh, magnetic abilities. I, I do want to touch so, on this, like before we continue with the whole glitch part. Um, they say glitch he can he can disrupt uh, electrical things by touch, and he says one day he'll be able to do it from a distance. For, foreshadowing. Uh, Very. Without without even anyone knowing, you know what I mean. That's what's that's what's crazy. We'll get to it. We'll get to it later. But yeah, super super and, uh, foreshadow. So we we learn about um, doo -doo -doo -doo. we learn about uh, Imperata, if I'm saying it right, uh, which is the um, functionist and the Senate's way of punishing people who uh, you know didn't go along with what they wanted. Um, most times it was in the form of uh, taking the head and hands of the quote-unquote guilty uh, in, the, in the case of Whirl. That's why he's got one, uh, one eye and he's got claws for hands. And um, so <clears throat> we also learn about Shadow Play, which is a uh, dirty... Dirty secret of the Institute where they uh, they basically mind-scramble people and change their personalities. Um, so, Orion Pax hatches a plan to swap out a replica of the Matrix uh, with the bomb. And uh, so it's, it's an Ocean's Eleven type heist where we see, uh, we see a couple of Easter eggs. Like, I think there's Triple changers in the security forces in the uh, the funeral, and um, was it? <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, we see triple changers in the like security force in the at the funeral, and um, we also get to see Iron Fist again. Good old Iron Fist uh, in a flashback. Um, he's obsessed because... with Delta Magnus. Yeah, and he uh, he constantly says the word "glorious," which apparently was Delta Magnus's uh, catchphrase. Yeah. So, so uh, they get a they get a replica of the Matrix, and then um, Orion Pax and uh, Ratchet, Skids, Windcharger, uh, they all hmm, they all uh, successfully without uh, without you know. Uh, any or not not without uh, any hiccups in the plan, they successfully uh, retrieve the bomb and you know place fake matrix in uh, Nominus's chest. Meanwhile, Chrome Dome and uh, the Senator friend and Roller, who oh how could I forget Roller, uh, Optimus's best buddy, uh, are back at the police station and they're visited by. Um, by some unsavory characters, and uh, they basically overpower Roller and Chrome Dome, and uh, they take uh, the senator friend hostage. Uh, and uh, 
during during the story arc, there was a lot of there were a lot of questions uh, as to the identity of the senator friend because he did change his color scheme uh, on a few times, and people thought that it might be old Magnus because there was a point where he uh, had a red, white, and blue color scheme. But I think he and, was, he uh, was they, they had they had kind of mentioned it early on, like he was obsessed with his looks. You know, he always wanted to have like the in paint. You know, right? Style. Yeah. So uh, ironic, being that the fate that befell him. Um, oh, dude. So, uh, Senator Friend is taken hostage, uh, and Orion Pax arrives. Or Orion Pax uh, catches up with the unsavory types, and uh, he beats them up, and then um, like throws the bomb like a football, and. Uh, blows it up and um so and i do apologize to the listeners uh so come to find out the uh the big shock reveal at the end of shadow play is that uh the senator friend becomes a victim of shadow play and emperata uh which is the worst uh combination of punishment that an enemy of the senate can endure it's it's the ultimate uh, form of shame yeah Right, because they not only did they take this, you know, charismatic, angry, idealistic senator and uh, totally wipe away his personality and left him as only a uh, purely logical being, but um, they basically did his whole body because he was uh, he was a very um, stylized robot. And uh, on the final page, we see that uh, the mystery senator was Shockwave. Um, and, uh, he's getting his head replaced with his, uh, very classic hexagonal, uh, you know, uh, one-eyed. Cyclops face. Yeah, Cyclops, that's the word I was looking for, (laughs) is, uh, hexagonal Cyclops head, and, uh, he has claws, um, instead of hands. Which we'll find out in, uh, in, I think one of the later R.I.G., yeah. Yeah, one of the Dark Cybertron preludes, uh, we actually find out about that. Um, so, uh, sorry you had to suffer through my uh, my narration of that with uh, no uh, source material in front of me. But um, I will I will point out though that and and you know we'll, we'll get to it eventually anyways. But for anyone who may be you know quizzical, he does still remain a senator. Um, it's not like he just, you know, Oh yeah, he does. Okay. Yeah. It's not, it's not like they just kind of, you know, dump him and that's it, but no, he's, he's still a Senator. He's just not as, uh, open about all of, uh, all of the things that, that happened to him. Cause again, he's just logical and emotionless now. So they, they took away his, his, uh, his, his, his drive, his fire, and they also took away his, uh, devilishly good looks. They took um, away everything. Yeah. Yeah, something something we did we did miss the annual. I think we were supposed to talk about the annual before yeah, this. Yeah, and I was I was just gonna I was yeah. just gonna swing back around. Um, um, not, before not before that we do that, we can we can we yeah. can wrap up. I was gonna say let's go ahead and wrap up the end of uh, the shadow play thing. Apparently, the whole story did not do anything for Rung, uh, but Skids, being the theoretician that he is, he 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 just kind of walks up to him and he goes, "Is it Ring?" He's saying some couple of things. He says, "Is it ring? Is it rang? Is it 
Right. Yeah, and then finally uh, Rung pipes up. He says, it's Rung. So that's that's what ultimately got Rung kind of back to going. But uh, Yeah, it was, it's, fun, it's funny that the plan didn't work at all, but then Skids, you know, brainstormed an idea of what might uh, what might work. So uh, the annual 2012, which I think that was the we ever got from More Than Meets the Eye, uh, opens with um, a group of Autobots in a mechanical-looking corridor fighting uh, Scraplets, or is that what they are? Um, they're they're basically like. Uh... Yeah, I mean they're 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 like they're like little bacteria. I think I don't know exactly what they're called, uh, but they are, you know, little nasty dudes. So uh, come to find out that they are actually fighting in Ultra Magnus's mouth, um, and he's uh, he's had some kind of inf- infestation in his uh, in his body, and they're trying to clear it out, and they're very tiny size, which. I'm guessing is a callback to um, was it Cosmic Rust? Was that the one where the Autobots? Uh, or no? Was was the G1 episode where the Autobots Cosmic got shrunk Rust. down? Oh, yeah. was it Cosmic Rust? Yes. Okay, so they um, yeah, so they uh, they're shrunk down. They're fighting in Ultra Magnus's mouth, and uh, I guess they're not supposed to. Uh, fire guns, but Whirl is there, so I think he fired off one gun. Um, but anyway, so Ultra Magnus comes too in the middle of them fighting while they're in his mouth, and uh, he's communicating with uh, Ratchet over radio frequency, and he freaks out a little bit when he finds out that Whirl's inside his mouth, and um, First, first aid. First aid tells him that they need. He needs to uh, engage like his the pistons in his uh, mouth to uh, destroy the scraplet infestation, and um, basically it means Ultra Magnus has to smile. He's like, I need to activate <laughs> your mouth pistons and do this, and he's like, I'm not sure I can. Yeah, and <laughs> it's like just give me a a great big smile. And, I like, uh, you know, I'm I'm looking at it right now. Um, I love it. The picture of Magnus smile. It's like a picture perfect, like shit eating grin. Yeah. It's the like, I man. I, every time I read this, I just start cackling uh, at Magnus smiling because you don't see it, like you never see it, and and he does it, and it's just like this perfect smile. Shit is hilarious. Yeah, and then he's like, this this is the most humiliating day of my life, like. <laughs> Because he's such a straight arrow, he doesn't even smile. Um, so we, he's walking down the corridor, and then we also get to see his view of the world again, where he's uh, he's summarizing everyone he walks across. And uh, Atomizer has a crossbow, and uh, Ultra Magnus is like, I better take that crossbow, Atomizer. And Atomizer's just, like, he's lost all respect, of the, the respect of the whole crew. Because Atomizer's like, yeah, yeah, whatever you say, Smiler. And, uh... Um... <laughs> oh, man. What he says, like, what he says to Jackpot, though, like, Jackpot's come back. Badge's yeah. looking a little crooked there, Jackpot, and he's like, a bit like your smile, <laughs> eh? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And then Trailbreaker. 
Don't let him upset you, Magnus. Try to grin and bear it. <laughs> like, and then, uh, so so sad. Ultra Magnus sees his reflection, and uh, his his designation is duly appointed enforcer of the Tyrus Accord and laughing stock. Yeah. <laughs> Ultra, Ultra, Ultra Magnus's feelings are hurt. So, um, Dakota, I need I need to uh, step away for a minute. If you want to take over the rest of the uh, annual summarization. Oh yeah, I can I can I can burn through it. Yeah, I right, appreciate but, it. Um, uh, anyways, later later at this point, um, you know, there, there's like some conversations are being are being had. Um, you know, you can see kind of. Chrome Dome and Rewind just having some conversations, and uh, Chrome Dome's, you know, he's kind of got a headache because every time he uses his uh, his his needles for the, you know, checking out people's memories and things like that, it it really takes a toll on. Um, and then Cyclo- uh, Cyclonus and Tailgate, they're, you know, both kind of talking, having having a little heart to heart. But um, and then we see Whirl, or not Whirl, we see Swerve uh, walking through. You know, going to the engine rooms, and he's uh, kind of bummed out because I don't think he has a roommate, and uh, he sees uh, Orr, who's still kind of trapped into the quantum engine at this point, uh, which, you know, again, that's, that's something to you know sort of keep in mind from uh, issue number two, I believe. And what I think what's, what's really clever is, you know, uh, Swerve kind of freaks out, but you can see uh, that... Or is saying, "Help me, please, help me," but it's backwards. So mm. it's 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 all spelled backwards. You know the whole quantum engine thing, and you know all that other stuff. And uh, Swerve freaks out. Uh, meanwhile, Rodimus is uh, talking to Drift, and I think this is where I think this is where uh, someone said something about Tailgate uh, wanting to uh, become a Decepticon. But either way, uh, Rodimus is like. He's got a knife in his hand, and he's, like, you know, been kind of drawing on his disc with it, just kind of carving into it. And that's something, again, to keep in mind for a uh, a later uh, story arc. But, um, anyways, he's, he's doing that. Something I will, um, I will point out here is the, uh, let's see... Oh, that's right. This is this is long after Tailgate wanted to become an Autobot. He was actually getting the Auto brand, and Rodimus was giving it to him, uh, and that's what Tailgate and Cyclonus were talking about. You know, he wanted uh, Cyclonus to be there for him. So they're all sitting there, you know, ready for the for the ceremony, and you see Jackpot, and he's like, "Okay, you know, everyone, uh, give me your times, please." Chrome Dome says ten minutes. Rewind says five minutes. Brainstorm says eight seconds, and Ratchet's <laughs> like, "What are you guys doing?" And that's whenever uh, Chromedom says Jackpot's taking bets on the speech and how long before Rodimus says to all or one. Winner gets free drinks all night. We haven't told Swerve yet. Poor Swerve, man. So uh, then you you see Whirl and uh, First Aid talking, and Whirl's like, you know, um, or no, 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 uh, First Aid's like, you left graffiti on the inside of Magnus's mouth, which was uh, which was also hilarious. But um. Anyways, let's see. Rodimus is kind of uh, focusing on some other things. Let's see. Um, he's giving Tailgate the, uh, the the auto brand deal. And 
during his speech, you know, he says just a, just a handful of words, and then he says, to, uh, "When all are one," and then you see a speech bubble come from you know across the way. It says five seconds that counts, which is uh, which is hilarious. But then there's some things going on um, in the meta bay, like some of the the transformers that are offline have been like they start screaming and want you know needing their ears covered, and they're like borderline like crushing their 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 cranial. Uh, units and things like that. So Rodimus is drawing, uh, or he's attempting to draw the auto brand onto uh, tailgate, but all you see are these little squiggly lines, which is uh, very, very strange. But again, uh, we'll, we'll kind of see that later. But um, come to find out, they're you know close to the the planet that the Circle of Light was on because you know they were like, hey, you know, Drift was like, well, you know, we'll find the Circle of Light because they were followers of the Knights of Cybertron like that you know they they took all that like super personal uh come to find out uh the Galactic Council was in the area and I believe they were in the Galactic Council's part of space uh and the Galactic Council was actually formed for uh maybe not for oh, I think it I think it was for the uh, the Transformers uh Civil War or the Cybertronian Civil War and uh so they send you know they see that um the ship is called the Benign Intervention, for what it's worth. And the captain of the ship sees that Ultra Magnus is there, be that he's the duly enforcer, duly, uh, the duly enforcer of the Tyrest Accord. Um, I think I said that right. If I didn't, whatever. You know, uh, so that you know, he gets. I'm gonna say, you know what uh, I noticed? Damn, they had a lot of ships. <laughs> yeah, they really did. They had a lot of ships, and it's like. Man, and I just thought about it. I'm like, we don't hardly hear too much of the Ark, which is, well, they call it the Ark 19, you know, at the beginning of the series. Yeah, but man, which they, we, we find out, you know, the that there was an Ark 1, you know, the real, you know, the, the first Ark, which was, you know, Nova Prime ship. Yeah. So. And it's, man, they had a lot of ships. It's like, man. And we see that, uh, and that's something we see about Rung that he's a he's a kind of model ship collector, which was uh, which was cool. Um, but anyways, uh, you know, they asked permission. Ultra Magnus specifically, I believe, asked permission you know, for the Galactic Council to, you know, let them send a team down there. You know, they were looking for the Circle of Light, and he would come aboard and, and speak with them. And you know, so he did. And the team gets down there, and then they see that uh, the planet is basically. Uh, empty, and you know they're they're looking for them, and you know they end up finding a Titan. Um, meanwhile, Magnus is you know on the benign intervention, talking to uh, that particular ship's captain, who's trying to persuade Ultra Magnus to join uh, the Galactic Council, which ha- you know that's not something you know that any Cybertronian has been a part of because they were annexed from the Council itself. You know, but being that you know Magnus was so entrusted by Tyrist that you know he was he was willing to do that, um, you know was was really something. Um, but then you know Magnus is kind of thinking about it. But then we kind of flash back to uh, you know Team Rodimus, uh, so to so to call it, which was Drift and Ratchet and I believe Cyclonus and Chrome Dome looks like Skids uh, were all a part of it. We're down there. Um, on this on this Titan, and then Chrome Dome 
decides he's you know he's going to interface with the Titan's brain module to see what happened to it. You know why it was there because it was still alive, but it was kind of it was kind of in pain. It kept wanting to go home because it got the call from Optimus Prime, you know, to come home. So he he does it, and then you see a lot of these bots that Skids was fighting in issue number two, um, and it looks like some members of the Circle of Light, um, his uh, Diatlas and his group, and the group that Drift uh, stayed with for a while after he changed from his you know, bad Decepticon ways. Um, but Chrome Dome interfacing with the Titan causes it to shoot lasers out of its eyes, which ultimately are able to uh, leave the planet's atmosphere, and it actually, um, it actually, you know, beams through and, and hits a part of the, the Galactic Council ship. At which point, you know, that guy thinks that it's, you know, um, uh, a kind of backstabbing thing, so he transports Ultra Magnus, you know, back to the Lost Light, and then they, you know, encapsulate the, the Lost Light into a, call it like a heat bubble or something like that. Um, let's see. Oh, well. I'm kind of kind of like glancing at it right now, but it's basically a, they, they put it in a sphere, and the temperature keeps raising to where it would essentially melt whatever's inside of it. Um, but at that point, Rodimus is trying to uh, convince Swerve, who's talking with Orr, trying not to freak out Orr, because if Orr freaks out, then, um, you know, the quantum engines could, you know, either explode or they could uh, jump them somewhere, who knows. So uh, Rodimus is trying to convince Swerve to to finally, you know, make him freak out. You know, he's like, you know, say something that will, you know, put him in a panic. And Swerve still feeling guilty about taking the shot and it ultimately hurting uh, Rung. He decides, you know, no, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I wanted to say no that time because I know I'm not a good shot, but I was afraid if I wouldn't, then Rodimus would take my bar away. So, you know, he was kind of, he was like, you know what, I- I'm not going to do this. Uh, and, you know, he told Rodimus no. And, of course, Rodimus is down on the planet and, like, this was super important this time. And, you know, he was like, he said what? Like, he was just super pissed off, and you could see it. Um, then we, we kind of go to this, uh, this sort of somewhat flashback. It's at the very end of the story, uh, because eventually the Titan was able to get enough juice to um, use his, uh, his own kind of space bridge transwarp thing, and he was able to leave that, you know, the the planet the Circle of Light was on, which was uh, Crystal City, the, or underneath Crystal City, I guess, and... Wait, Crystal City? G1 cartoon reference. Yeah, oh yeah. And f- from there, I believe it was Crystal City. I, man, I could be wrong. Like I said, I'm, I'm just kind of thumbing through this because we have been going for a while. Um, then from there... Uh, he in the process he's able to remove ore from the quantum engines and kind of you know spins them up all while teleporting the crew that was on the planet back to the ship and letting the, the ship kind of teleport as well. So they were able to kind of get out of that uh, little scenario. But uh, someone's asking the the captain of the benign intervention, you know, well, you know, did you ask Ultra Magnus to join us and? Uh, he said, you know, no, but, you know, they were talking about it, and he said, well, you know, what, you know, what did he say? And 
then that's whenever the the captain said he didn't say anything. He just smiled. Uh-huh. So, yeah, pretty pretty interesting stuff there. And then that's that's whenever the uh, the whole shadow play uh, story arc happened. Um, which you know we just we just got through. So we went a little backwards on it, but it, it's totally fine, man. You know it's it's all good. Uh, but from there, that's whenever uh, we get to the next story arc. And you see a lot of uh, things happening from last stand of the records. Like you see, you know. Hey, Dakota. What's Dakota. Up? Hey, um, not to, uh, you know, like, not to hijack the the show, but um, do you think maybe we should wrap it up and maybe save uh, the next story arcs for another episode? Um, just because we, we have gone almost two yeah. and a half hours. And um, you know, like like any bad comic book writer, we can always stretch a four issue story arc into a six issue story arc. <laughs> yes, we can. What what is it? There's only what two more after this. Um, let's Before see. Dark Cybertron. Um, so let's see. Fourteen is the next uh, story arc. Um, actually, I, we're gonna we're actually gonna skip. Uh, it, Actually, we skip. Uh, there's one issue that we we almost skipped uh, on account of trying to get to the next story arc, because um, thirteen is the one right after Shadow Play, and then twenty two. So that's like nine issues. Yeah. So, so we're, we're and then halfway, yeah, halfway and through. plus and plus we have two two spotlights with uh, uh, Trailbreaker and Hoist. So I mean, that's a that's a pretty decent chunk for another episode. Uh, Eleven issues. Yeah, yeah. So we're yeah we're basically halfway through, um, which which is cool, man. Yeah, we can we can definitely do that. Uh, something we had talked about real quick though. Um, and hey, uh, and if, I guess if we if we stretch out the uh, recap episodes long enough, then uh, we can probably coincide with uh, what I'm assuming you're going to bring up right now. Yeah, we could. Um, so, so we found out a bit of news today, which for the listeners and the, the watchers, it's, that's going to be, um, you know, this, it's going to be a week behind, but, uh, we found out that till all are one, which is something that we haven't, uh, we haven't covered. We probably won't cover for a couple of weeks is, uh, is getting canned. It's getting canceled, which I'm kind of, I'm kind of bummed about that. I, I really liked till all are one. I didn't read the article, but a buddy of mine did and said it sounded like, uh, you know, the the writer didn't really want to play ball. Not, 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 not necessarily play ball, but there were some strings being pulled. And, you know, with, with anyone that wants their full creative freedom, you know, they're not going to like that. Uh, really? But, you know, what, what, uh, what do you guys kind of think about that? I, I thought, well, I'll let uh, Spirals go. I'll let him go. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I I haven't really kept up with uh, Till All or One, but I do know the gist of it because I've been kind of keeping a loose eye on it. Um, I know it's... uh, And to give the listeners who, uh, you know, either are currently with the IDW universe or they're uh, just kind of getting into it via listening to us, um, there's three ongoing titles right now in the IDW universe. Uh, There's Lost Light, which is... Uh, effectively season three of More Than Meets the Ice storyline. 
there's Transformers Optimus Prime, which is dealing with the uh, Transformers contingent currently on Earth. And uh, so All or One is focused primarily on the events that are transpiring on Cybertron at the current moment. So for me, uh, it's kind of disheartening because I prefer the Cybertronian-based stories. Uh, I feel like I feel like the Earth-based stories uh, split too much of the focus between the Transformers and the humans that are on Earth. Uh, and, you know, as, as any diehard uh, G1 fan, you know, I, I hate humans. No, um, oh. <laughs> uh, no I'm, I'm playing. I, I, don't, I don't hate humans. Uh, that's just a commentary on the fandom, you know. Uh-huh. I, I, uh-huh. I, I, I have to get my barbs in where I can. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, I, I prefer the Cybertronian based story arc that uh, Till All or One is, you know, running with right now. Wait, can, uh, we, can we call it what it is? Can we call it what it is? Let's call it a Starscream story arc. Because it's been mainly yeah. focused more upon him more than anything else. Let, let's just well, call it like it is. In my opinion, it took, it took my favorite parts of uh, the R.I.D. story and, and kind of kept running with that. Starscream stuff, the stuff that's happening on Cybertron. I'll be honest, man, like, I just picked up the Optimus Prime because I'm too invested in the story now to put it down. Uh, it's, it's not really... Right. Actually, that's an, that's an interesting book because <laughs> I, I... You know what? I kept thinking they were going to do Thundercracker's book. Yeah, I mean, to me, that would have been nice if they would have done Thundercracker. You know what book I like to see them do, and it's a character they should touch upon, and he's with the G.I. Joe team right now? Skywarp. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was just about to say that's, um, you know, jump, not, you know jump, jumping a little bit ahead uh, in the current IDW universe, Skywarp is not in a Transformers book. He's actually in the G.I. Joe book, uh, which is an interesting turn of events, so to speak. Um, it's shocking. But, yeah, it, it is. Um, well, I mean, that's but, like Cup is part of the Revolutionaries team, but again, you know, not to get too far ahead, it is, it is interesting with what they're doing. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not as thrilled come comic book day for Optimus Prime title as i am for till all are one or lost light you know right. it just it's just not what it is. for me and i think it's can i think I, it's the the earth thing the people the humans i'm that fan. actually can i can i tell you why i find the optimus prime to be very interesting because now you're giving him a focus you're giving him a purpose and you're also you're tying in the rc and sideswipes relationship you know what i'm saying um and therefore, there's a thing going on between Optimus and Victorion, the uh, the torchbearers. Like, there's some jealousy there. There's something that's going yeah, on there. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't want to spoil it too bad because, I mean, we are right. going to talk about it eventually. Oh, yeah. But, but there, there is a new series that's coming on out that has not been mentioned called First Strike. Oh, yeah. I remember reading about that. Yeah, that's another event thing, though, like Revolution was. That's that's what I gathered from it. I th- I th- yeah, I, th- I think it's more um, it's more GI Joe tie into it. Yeah, it's 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 more uh, it's more an event than it is like another series for Transformers because uh, it's kind of bringing back that um, Hasbro shared universe, shared comic universe. 
Which, that, which uh, is cool. Like, it's cool that, yeah, that Revolution wasn't just a one-off, but... But well, some people don't like it, and I don't understand why. I mean, been waiting and wanting this there for years, and now all of a sudden you don't like it. I, I, I don't understand it. I'll be honest. I'm not going to go, I, you know, I'm not going to pick up ROM, Mask, and Micronauts. Right. I mean, I picked up Joe because I've always been interested in G.I. Joe, but uh, ROM is like nine, ten issues in right now, and I don't want to backtrack it. But ROM's the only other one that I think I would be interested in reading. Maybe Micronauts, too, because of, you know, their their origins. But like I just I'm I I could care two shits less for, about mask but um the the Talal are one thing it's, it's really bumming me out man because you know we, you know, we got Liege Maximo in that you know and I was really expecting like that was you know where they were gonna kind of keep like that to me feels like you know what the real Titans Return story is uh, and should have been you know because the Titans you know they they kind of um focused on that aspect and they even kind of focused on some uh tail end stuff of combiner wars um that that never in my opinion didn't really get wrapped up uh but you know you had carcer and um all that and then the liege maximo who who's loki apparently uh yeah which he's one of the 13 primes right yeah exactly so So it's yeah we're getting all that and i was i was honestly i was honestly expecting to see like the whole prime wars thing or power of the primes, whatever they're going to call it, right? Uh, kind it's... of come out of those books, and I was I was hoping for it, and you know I was hoping that they could they could keep it going. I thought it was pretty well received. You know, I've always seen you know a lot of praise for it, but again, I think it's the the whole the the writer was you know she didn't want to answer to the man, so to speak, and that's understandable. But at the same time, I don't know. I'd play ball where I'd play ball, be able to you know write the stuff you want to write. You know, for the fans. Hey, uh, Dakota, really quick. Um, getting back to the annual, and I'm sorry because I stepped away. So if we're backtracking, oh, I apologize. Um, Cyclonus recapping the Guiding Hand story. Uh, did we touch on that at all? No, I just, um, I, I mostly, I really did just skim through it and okay. talk about the the important parts of them uh, landing on the planet and. Uh, finding the Titan, the Galactic Council being there, and then that pretty much wrapped it up after that. Yeah, okay, well, um, yeah, so uh, we'll, t- we'll touch on that next episode, because it's, uh, it's something something I want to uh, kind of speak at length about, just because I like the um, the new take on the, the in-universe mythos of how the um, the ancient times were. Because, you know, in the cartoon, like, Prime and everything, it's always been Primus and Unicron. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Guiding Hand is a new spin on, uh, you know, the quote-unquote religion of Transformers in this universe. Yeah. So, uh, I, think I think that'll be a good jumping-off point for next episode. Okay, uh, cool. So, uh... What anybody uh, anybody want to do any shout outs or uh, tell us yeah, where, I do. tell us where we can find you? Uh, you can find me, Big Walt, aka Walter, up here at Facebook. And yeah, I'm a in the words of Fred G. Salmon, I'm a big big dummy because I don't even know my own Twitter account. But uh, on the other good positive side, no, I'm here. Like I said again, with one of the fellow co- collectors, Gerald Prophet. Say hello there, sir. Hello. With him. Hey. So, 
He's one of the big guys that's up here in the community and sitting here right next to his son, Nicholas. So, shout outs there to him, to him and his family. So, an- another awesome night of episode here too, fellas. So, keep the ball rolling. Cool. And something I forgot to shout out at the beginning of the show. Uh, we are all the Cool Table Network, where you find uh, cool shows like Shattercast Uncut, Enter the Realm, Beers and Bolters 40K, Plastic Fanatics, Stasis Log, Nerd Rage Radio, Toy Detox, Eight Weeks, Figa Banging, and then I think there's the Realm of Collectors uh, Hangout uh, podcast. Nope. So, if there's any I'm missing, I'm sorry, but I think I got all of them. I think I think I think you covered them. Yeah, uh, all right, and uh, where can we find you at uh, Dakota? Oh man, I'm typically uh, found everywhere at Primal Sabbath. Like Ops Primal and Black Sabbath. That's where the name came from. <laughs> that is cool. I am Optimus Primal and Black Sabbath. Maybe I should name it Big Wall and Pac or Big Wall and Biggie. Damn, <laughs> that'd be cool as hell. <laughs> Big Wall, Biggie. Biggie, Biggie, Biggie. It's always the plan. Uh, but Spiros, man, where can, where can we find you at? All right, you can find me in the Facebook groups, uh, Spiros Gallos. I'm usually uh, pissing people off with my highly opinionated uh, <laughs> rhetoric. Um, I, I'd, I, I'd say I'd say I average about one one block per week. Just not even, not even, not even like going after people, but just like making statements, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, like there's comments being referred to or responded to in threads I'm in and I can't see half the comments so it means somebody blocked me uh, or uh, or I'm terrorizing lowballers when I'm trying to sell stuff because I'll call them out on their lowballing scumbag tactics um, <laughs> and uh, I also handle the toy detox Twitter account um, and you can find us at underscore toy detox um, to uh, go off on too big of a tangent, but um, the staff at Toy Detox, we've been working pretty diligently on getting a, le- a website launched uh, where you guys can reach out to us. And uh, I will be doing a bit of blogging, I believe. Uh, okay. So look for us. Channeling your inner millennial, huh? Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I do have a journalism degree, so I might as well start using it, you know, some 13 years after I graduated. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Hey, I, I- got a question you're yeah. in toy detox yes sir if you ever get time would you want to join him and do a toy detox yeah that's fine i want to get my man Gerald put up here into the fold bring him in slowly you know it's like you guys are bringing me along so yeah, i got tons of useless knowledge i can give out to people yeah so and by the race girls i, I love that attitude love the way you piss them off I like that. Um, also, you can you can find Spiros at uh, truthboner.transformerstalk.net. <laughs> oh my goodness! Now I need to go register that domain name before somebody. Oh, uh, I, I was I was gonna and uh, and I guess you know I'm spoiling it for the next time Greg does get on, but I was gonna introduce him as a uh, Greg from Mercy as Greg from Gregimus Prime Toy Hunter Productions official LLC. <laughs> oh wow! But, uh, we'll save it. I mean, I've I've already ruined it, but you know, we'll save it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's where you can find us all at, and um, 
you know, until until next week when we uh, get together to uh, bring you guys further along into the IDW universe. Uh, from Dakota, Walter, and myself, uh, have a great night. See you later. Hey, are we going to shoot the breeze or what's the deal? <laughs> <laughs>